Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to episode 30 of Remap Radio. Uh, Rob is out today, dealing with some dog stuff. Uh, everything should be okay, but uh, Rob was able, unable to make today's uh, recording. But in his seat, I am joined by uh, a wonderful group of people for this episode, including Janet Garcia. Yo, what's good? And Kato. Hello. Uh, Janet, well, happy birthday. No, well, not by the time this comes. Here's the question. Okay, so we were talking about this on the last episode. When is too late? Oh yeah, Janet, the Happy oh. New Year. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my gosh. I I had this thought too. When is too late? Yeah. I think I think the week is fine for a birthday. Without, a I don't week. think you even need to say. It. Yeah, like within the week. Okay. Like within the week. So we're out of I the New Year. It, we're out of the New Year zone. But now we're in the I birthday zone, and this will come. This will come out two days after your birthday, which yeah. falls within the acceptable time for someone to say happy birthday so. to Janet. I think so. Without like, I know some people already hitting me with the happy belated. I'm like, depending on if I was on your for you page or your real Twitter timeline, you just barely saw this. Like, you don't have to say <laughs> belated. Like, it's been like four hours, you know. But yeah, I think so. Where do y'all fall on the? Happy birthday versus happy I, think, birthday. I, I don't do belated. If I missed it, I missed it. You know, that's what, see, that's <laughs> what I, I, right. You know what I mean? I, I feel like if you oh miss God. the 48 hour window in which people are probably doing something for a birthday or you might encounter them and you could be reminded of it. Um, absent. Hey, things didn't work out this weekend. We're doing a dinner or getting together the week after where you could. It is then you can then yeah. time, you know, time shift. The happy birthday, if the happy birthdayer has chosen to celebrate yeah. it specifically at a different time, but otherwise, I agree. I think I think you're telling on yourself with the 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 belated birthday. Congratulations later. I think it speaks to uh, where Facebook is as a as a social network. I, I've told this story before on <laughs> this podcast, probably, uh, but uh, when my Facebook friends list got bloated, I was trying to find ways to cut it down like how, how do i mm. how do you remove people it's like i have hundreds and hundreds of friends where i really want to scroll through this list and then ju- like i don't know how to i need a, a way to categorize it so i did it by birthdays uh and so uh when i'd like load up facebook like uh you know once a day just to like ignore writing like oh what's going on here it would say you know right over on the side whose birthday is this today and if i could not muster the energy to write happy birthday Back when there was like walls and people would yeah. always post things like that. If I couldn't do that, I don't think we're friends on Facebook anymore. So dink, <laughs> wow. and I would delete people so on people's their birthday. birthdays. They'd lose a friend. Yeah, they lose a friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'd lose uh, that. See, when list. you first started this, this like this share, I thought you were going to mm-hmm. go in the opposite direction. Like, oh, I look at like who wished me happy birthday, and then maybe from that list you like pull down, or maybe from no. the people that didn't. No, you go. Like, oh, it's your birthday? That's a great reminder that I don't really like you like that. Like, <laughs> you know? 
But that's Has it really also, been 15 years? Like, wow, that's, that's too long. That's Bing honestly, guy. like, kind of out. Like, that is definitely, like, um, what, like, neutral evil or something? Like, there's something there, you know? Like, I, I think so. I feel like it's very fair. It sounds awful, but I think uh, I it makes like enough sense that it doesn't matter. It's got a bit of chaos in there, though, because you... Some people notice that that sort of shit, right? Wow. So, <laughs> kind of like, what's great is that oh, I'm never hearing from Patrick again. <laughs> I presume I have never heard from a person who has noticed and felt insulted. What is much funnier is what actually happens is, and this I think this justifies the deletion, uh-huh. which is that someone will then re-add me as a friend sometime later. Uh-huh. That was someone who was clearly called as a part of. The birthday sorting. Right. And so they didn't even notice that we were friends. And like at some point they were like, oh, like Patrick Klepek. Like I remember him from high school. It's like, yeah, I did remember you from high school too. I removed you for a reason. I'm just not interested <laughs> in seeing your kids' photos but anymore. They, but I'm they sorry. like you. I feel like that makes Here's it worse, if anything. It's like they're, they are like, oh, great. Patrick's here. And you're like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. <laughs> Here's the thing that you're you like, can't actually, really, I was just leaving. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really 100% be sure about It's entirely possible that it's, yes, they just didn't notice. If Facebook fed them the little, like, you want to add this person? You're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. And People then you the might other know because you've known them for <laughs> 20 years. And then there's the other version where it's like, I, why did Patrick unfriend me? That's so weird. And it's just like, yeah. I'll click oh, they, it's a glitch. I'll go Facebook again. glitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe it was a Facebook glitch. Like they noticed, but they're not gonna say anything. They're just gonna re-add to be like, uh, I guess, yeah, that's weird that that happened, huh? <laughs> I will I, say I mean, shout I, out to technology for taking the the blame of a lot of things. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't see this because this oh you know, Google Calendar just didn't <laughs> ping me. It's like how many times is te- technology sitting there seething, you know? They're like, just mm-hmm. wait. When the robots take over, they're coming for us for sure. Uh, uh, Janet, uh, you're, you're joining us for the first time after we've done our Game of the Year stuff. And you've yeah. done lots of Game of the Year stuff. Yeah. I do one list. I think of one outlet. And I remember you mentioning before we sat down to record our big uh, sort of like two-part podcast in December. You're like, you know, are we spoiling your list? Like, oh, no, you're just getting one of them. And so I, I'm curious if you can elaborate now that you're on the other. I know that kind of funny just finished yeah. up theirs. I assume you're on the other side of game of the year for 2023. Uh, someone who's a freelancer, someone who bounced between a bunch of different outlets and thus was part of uh, what remaps, min maxes and kind of funnies and indie council Ga- <laughs> and indie councils, a game of the year deliberations. How does one how does one go about preparing multiple different kinds of lists? I mean, the good news is it is it is one list for well, except for Indie Council. Indie Council is a separate right. list because they're only indie games, and it turns out Spider Man Two not an indie game. <laughs> like, that well, there's been a lot of indie conversation, but that one has never come up and uh-huh, will never be, uh-huh. you know. So, um, so it is usually the same list, but they're different conversations and different approaches and different uses for the list. So, you know, it's funny because like people will listen also like you know multiple outlets or places that I'm at twice over and. It is always like some stuff is an overlap like, oh, like I talked about Baldur's Gate 3, but other stuff like isn't an overlap because maybe it doesn't come up because it's like MinMax does theirs communal crafted style. So they're like, we're in there, we're throwing games on the board, we're taking them down, we're writing them up. We're, so you're you know, coming up with a top 10 list together. 
two top ten lists. Two top. Uh, what is that? Why not just pick 20. one? It's oh, two okay. tens. <laughs> okay. It's a two. Ten, it's a top twenty okay. list. This is top um, <laughs> so wait, but what does it mean to be number? They're 20? they're both number one, or is number <laughs> no, one just, B and eleven? It's you just know, you're. 20. This is. It's just 20, but, they're called, but we call the two tens okay. because Midmax has two ends in it. It's a little too cutesy, and admittedly, oh, this, this conversation—I'm oh, no, on board. I'm on conversation board. is like I—I I don't think Isaiah's gonna listen to this episode of Remap Radio, but he's like <laughs> he would be he would be listening to it screaming like that's a great question, Patrick. Why is it called it? Like, you know, <laughs> it's one of our weird things. It's a vibe, you know. No, I, I'm only, just yeah. I'm just trying to clarify where no, no, no. I, I, it now makes sense. I it's can a see top the list, but okay. don't tell Ben. Right. I, yeah, I, I broke the um, <laughs> PR told me that I have to call the two tens, but it's a top mm-hmm. 20 list. You know? this is, these are our talking points. This is what we're trying to communicate yeah. to the audience. Yeah. Uh, but so that one, it's like, I have my list in mind, but I don't even actually read it at all. Like, we go round robin and we put games down until we've said every game that we've like ever liked from the year. Like we go all okay. the way down and like sometimes we'll elaborate off the vibes if it's like, oh, this is like far enough down where it's like, hey, this isn't going to this isn't even in my top like 20. But like I, I really want to just highlight this because it was really cool. Like, you know, that's where I'll be like, hey, Froggy's Battle. It was a fun time. Like I had a great <laughs> afternoon, you know, but it's like not on my list. Um it might have been on my indie council list because I really like that game. But, you know, so that's more of like a wider conversation of like, what do we think like represents as an outlet? Like, well, so and so is really passionate about this. So maybe we put this here. And then kind of funnies is interesting because it's like a reveal. So you like vote. Barrett does all the tabulations and then Barrett reveals it like through like the assets and the VO and it's like a whole thing. So it's interesting because it has like a live reacts format where then we're like, oh, so I had this at like this list. Oh, and it's tabulating y- where everyone put it and weights yeah. it and then it comes up with a, a community list. That's a cool yeah. idea. And it includes ties. So that's a top 10 that has I, okay, more than so 10 I, games. I, didn't, I scrubbed ah. through the, the, the archive of that. No one knows uh, what 10 means. <laughs> the <company that's, laughs> that's, that's what this I'm is learning. the only company Numbers that knows what 10 is. Numbers don't mean we, we know anything 10. to people. Uh, but I did know I I didn't quite understand that at first where I was scrubbing through. I was like seven seven. Like why don't what how number? I, I what I'm noticing is you're going to other outlets and they're too much of a coward to just choose ten games and they find they find ways to get an out. Yeah, I think actually Indie Council. I think we chose ten games. We did it kind of really funky. We also tabulated, but then we we didn't make it like a big like hoopla. I mean, we're all just like on a call, so we're like here's the list, and we're like cool, and then we. For Indie Council, then we awarded each game, like, we came up with, like, a unique award to give it, which was cute until, like, we got stuck on one of them because we couldn't think of something funny and witty enough, and we just stood there for, like, 15 <laughs> minutes being like, no, oh, that's no. not funny, Um, and which is also, I was thoroughly amused by that because I'm like, you guys are one of the few teams I can sit with who will just be like, yeah, that's not a good, we're not using that idea. It's not good. Sorry. And it's like, <laughs> honestly, that is so much better than like, hmm, like don't fake think about it. Like I know it was a bad joke. Like we can just continue. <laughs> um, and then, you know, obviously here we do like the round robin, but then you wait. I like the wait for the conversation because you do end up kind of like, but then also we we just kind of share our individual list. We don't make a holistic a list, yeah. thing, you know? So you two no, are we've afraid never, of d- never done that. In some ways I for being forged in the fire of doing that yeah. a giant bomb <laughs> where 
I assume. So you're the coward that you're, you know, you're casting uh, the stone from your glass house. I, like, am, I a, am I a coward if I have the lived experience and the trauma and have decided to move past it? Uh, I think right. most cowards are, are forged in trauma, right? Like, that's oh, like, wow. isn't that? Hmm. I'll explain that to my daughter. That This is why, I, how I am, how I am. Um, but the min-max one, uh, I haven't watched uh, an archive of it, but I, I assume the vibes over there are pretty chill. Are you tearing people down to get a game on the list? No, we're because that's what we did. That's nice. what you did at Giant Bomb. You that's j- what essentially I heard. tried to make people feel bad. I heard people um, like, "What's going and on?" Bully over there? them. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a bullying. I mean, there's a. I remember famously <laughs> that people, you know, in the history of Giant Bomb, one of those famous standoffs is between Skyrim and Saints Row Three um, from from that year, where essentially. Uh, it was just people on each side refusing to allow one of those games to advance to number one. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of it was a lot of taking people down in the process. And it was it was a fu- it was fun. Yeah. But Austin also did that for a little while. And I think we both came out of that going. I don't I don't think I want to. I don't think I want to. Do <laughs> yeah, that I definitely think it can it can become too much. I've never really felt like I've been in a scenario where it ever is. Min Max is definitely. The thing about our list is the goal is not to get the 20 best games of the year. The goal is to get the 20 games that feel most representative of the best parts of our individual year, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's not really like, oh, well, like, you know, who cares about like this title or whatever? It's like, well, I didn't, you know, maybe I didn't care for it. Maybe I didn't play it. But it was something that, you know, Ben was really impassioned about um, that spoke to him. Put it at 14, but definitely not in the top 10. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, f- f- four. He, I put it at four. <laughs> yeah. Quote. Four. We had that conversation. Is this just to make people feel better that their their game isn't at 14? Okay. Honestly, and it's like, you- oh, it's at four. Oh, it's so so prestigious. We're at four. So, yeah, okay. No, because it says 14. Like, it's numbered one through 20 in the Google Doc. But oh, okay. All right. Honestly, like, we have that conversation, too, where, like, we have, like, it's like, oh, we have, like, this big list of games, and then it's, like, 20 games that it's down to. And it's like, guys the top 20 of the year like that's really high but at the same time we did have that conversation of like okay we all know 15 through 20 though those are like the trash games of the good games right you know and like sarah's like ben will take my favorite game and knock it down to 18 with other trash and then like leo is like we can all say at the end of the day this is like a list of 15 good games you know and i'm like leo is so funny but yes there definitely is the you know People really care about like that that upper part of the two ten the top ten of there. It's like okay, this is like you want if if that's like the higher you know it's the higher it's the higher section. Yeah, I mean there's I mean it's why it's why I like doing the list because it I feel like it and it's, it, it ten is just a fun number because it forces you to there does feel it's arbitrary yeah. but there feels yes. something there's something about going ten to eleven and having to just say these are the ten. And you can still do honorable mentions, which is essentially what your 11 to 20 is going to be. But yeah. like I remember famously, uh, Super Mario 3D World is one of my all-time favorite Mario games. Love, love, oh. love that game. I think it's fantastic. And I was really the only one at Giant Bomb that was like super into platformers. And so I didn't mm. have a lot of people uh, like around me being like, Patrick, that game's got to be high in the list. And so I was like barely scratching to get it at number 10. Uh, except Alex Navarro. Alex Navarro really liked that game, and he was. We had combined forces, and we were keeping Jeff Gersman at bay with. I can't remember what it might have been. Rogue Legacy. Uh, and I was like, no, 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 no. We're Alex and I are not budging. We're keeping Mario 3D Land, a 3D world here. 
And then it occurred to me that Papers, Please, which was going to be, I knew was going to be my number one game of that year, but I was really the only one that supervived with it. It's like, well, like Mario's good. Like, does mm. Mario really need someone to be in Mario's corner championing it's fucking him? Mario. No. It's Nintendo. But this Papers, is... Please is like yeah, important. Come on. <laughs> like an, it's like, it's like, it's like a capital I important video game. So I remember cutting a side deal with Jeff. I'm like, all right, look. I am willing to cut fucking bait on Super Mario 3D World. But, and you can get Rogue Legacy in here. But pa- then you need to help me get Papers, please, on the list. And so we shuffled him around. Alex is screaming uh, because he's like, I've I clearly just buried him in the, the garbage. Uh, down in the 15 to 20 range. Go, oh. go back, go down there. Down with the tra- Mario 3D the World. Games. Yeah, yeah. God. We don't even list those. <laughs> 11 to 20, haven't heard of you. See, um, but here's the thing. But I managed to get Papers, so please, funny. on the list. The thing I do like about the 11 to 20, even though it's like, and obviously, you know, it's all jokes, but it's like, oh, those are the trash. Top mm-hmm, 20, mm-hmm. it's like you were in top 10, right? But yeah. what I like about get going to 20 is generally outlet to outlet. Like it creates like a, a more diverse conversation than you typically get. And even if you look at like outlets I'm not a part of, like, and this is no like shade to a lot of people having the same games. Like we have played a lot of the same games, right? Like yep. we all played like the same kind of games for the most part. But because of that, when we think about the best games, a lot of times it is like, I can probably predict like, you know, five of the top 10 on most lists on any year. And so could everyone else because it's like, oh, it's going to be like, you know, like the other, okay, Elden Ring, God of War, like, and sure, the other ones might shuffle and be maybe more interesting. But I that expansion, I think, while it might allow for like more whack games in a sense, it allows for like a like games that you won't hear talked about at end of the year podcast yeah, for the agree. most part more. So that mm. is the, I think, nice part of it. But yeah, um, I just did kind of funny. It was longer than it's ever been because then at the end, we did our top, our individual top tens. So I was like, are we, is someone ordering food? Like I didn't bring my phone on the, on the, on the stage. So I was like, I only saw you had always. a LaCroix. And I was like, I don't think a LaCroix is going to substitute for a cheeseburger. At, at, at the hour end, three. it was just empty. You know, I was just like, everything's falling apart to pieces, but um, it was fun. It was cool. I liked doing like the top tens at the end, but it was a lot longer than I thought. And it's funny because I went into it thinking, oh, like, and not like in an offensive way, but because of how we tabulate it and it's more mm-hmm. of like a conversation like after the fact, I'm like, oh, this is like the chiller one I have to do. You know, it's not as long. You're not like debating stuff. You're not doing a deeper. It's more of a like, oh, yeah, like who played? Yeah, I like this. And it's like, okay, cool. And then we continue on. But because it just like it got really, it just got really long, which it wasn't wasn't bad. Like it was good conversation. Mm-hmm. But I was like, whoa, is anyone else exhausted? <laughs> and then they're like, <laughs> we have another show to do that was dumb. supposed to happen like an hour ago. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like. I was like, whoa, like I thought this would be like easy breezy and I'd have like extra time. Like I'm going to on the side, I'll like work on my Prince of Persia review. Like I'm going to have all this extra time. To kill. I was I was like the, it was a lot of work. Like I was yeah. a little surprised by how much it became. But it, it, I think it made for better content. But I was like, oh, my God, this is a really long episode. I thought this would be like a quick 90 minutes or something. <laughs> not, there's, not so. Uh, go ahead, Kata. Well, there's I was just going to say there's sometimes something interesting that happens when somebody has to defend a game. That the that yes. there were there were flashes of in the 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 older GB stuff, but like then it would always end up devolving to like personal like political like shifting at the mm-hmm. end because 
after a certain point, you're not going to convince someone to change their mind if their game is being put on the on the like. No, I, floor, oh, one of the right? one of the arguments <laughs> that a Brad made for Skyrim in retrospect is was like, is uh, well, you could just play the game forever because it has infinite quests that get generated. Yeah, you could, but those quests fucking sucked. Like those like quests <laughs> that the game would just make up so that you could just keep doing like those were terrible. Like, right. but that's but like when you're an hour five, it's like I don't know, man. Like you could play this game forever, bro. Like, I mean, no, how do you argue against that one? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just like, throw oh, it out. <laughs> Whatever you can think of. That's it made for very interesting, like, high drama moments when, like, the dealings would get, like, funky. Yeah. But it's, oh, it it's, it's always a strange idea just because, you know, obviously, taste is so subjective, right? Like, there's only a certain uh, amount of, like, cohesion you can get from... Dis- different people engaging with the same thing, right? Uh, and just like what you like, I don't know. Like nobody else fucking likes Destiny. There's no way I'm gonna like convince someone that Destiny I've, was good. This I played year. tons of it, and I don't like it, <laughs> yeah. Kato. But you know, you know, same. Honestly. If we're ranking an hour count, <laughs> Destiny would have been in my top ten list. But yeah. that, that's yeah. not how I felt at the end of it. <laughs> and it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know that uh, there's almost like. Yeah, there's like a, a, a there is something interesting about the defense, like having to put up the defense of why the game is good, which yeah. you get a little less in the in the like explaining what you enjoyed of it. I don't know. Maybe it's just like no, my, I, like, I, I agree. It's like you, my you academic have to go, you have to brain go. of like, oh, I'm doing my like fucking, you know, thesis defense here. <laughs> just of like needing to explain in a very certain way why I think this is interesting or like why I made the, I made the choices yeah. that I made. But like, you know, externalizing that to like the art that we've engaged with over the last year um, can be interesting. But it's hard to find that balance where then it starts to tip over into like and it's a yeah. personal attack that you don't like it either. <laughs> I, I think, too, like in, and again, like the Minmax debates aren't very like, you know, bloodbathy to me, at least, because like, I feel like that's not really again. The goal is not about like what we think is the best. It's like what is kind of representative with a with a hint of. Does the so game good? Cool. So it's like a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird line to walk in a way. Yeah. But um, one thing I really appreciate from those conversations is, and I don't know, maybe it's like fucked up that I like enjoy this. Like maybe this is the masochist in me. But I, <laughs> I like when someone can say something. It's like a game I like, and they're like, yeah, but isn't it like it's just so like repetitive, and it's just kind of like I don't know. I'm doing it, but like who cares? And I'm like, damn. Like, I like when I can have a game that I really enjoy and someone can clock like a con. And sometimes someone clocks a con and I'll be like, yeah, you're totally, you know, I think that's valid. However, like, this is why I feel like the quality of the game supersedes that criticism almost. Or like, you know, it there's so much good going forward that doesn't really matter in the same way. But sometimes I'm like, honestly, you tore me up right there. (laughs) I got nothing to say because you're right. And I'm like, oh, I hate that shit. you're right, but you aren't. And I think one of the issues with maybe the more like old school, like debate style is I think, again, it's kind of like the issue of ego, I think, to a degree, right? It's like, yeah. are you willing to admit that you're wrong? Like, are you open to that idea? Or are you like, no, my thing is like my thing and it's because it's my thing at the end of the day. Like, yeah. and I feel like a good conversation, like you have to be able to be like, you know what? You're right. And like, sometimes you don't really know that until you start talking about it. Um, on a much more trivial thing, like I finished my, well, the, the accomplishment is not trivial, but the thing we did after is I ran 30 races, like I'm a distance runner oh, in my yeah. 20s. And I like put out the medals, like my 
my brother came over and like we had the cake and stuff and I was like, oh, this is like a nerdy thing. But like I want us to like tier list organize them like on the design and stuff. We were talking about it and we're like ranking them. And he's like, oh, this, this one's really cool because of the color, you know, just goofy stuff. And at one point, we there's, there's this one medal that's like um, it's from like the Dodgers race I did. And the the medal is like a little folding chair, like a cute little like, like a stadium chair. Huh. And it's like, oh, that's cute. Like, you know, and if you know Dodger Stadium history, like the chairs were a big thing, like the different colors of them. Like I've done the little tour and they've talked about it. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's like a little little chair, a little Dodger Stadium chair. And we had that like ranked S tier at first. We're like, oh, yeah, it's so cool. Like what a cute, cool design. And then the more we talked about it, we're like is this chair actually kind of trash? It's like, you can't even fully open, you know? Wow. And by the end, it was like, uh, at like poor chair. And, and it's like, wow, the chair went all the way down. And you know, my family's all into like games and the, all that stuff. So they know this kind of conversation. So, but I think that's like, obviously it's a very trivial thing, but yeah, sometimes, and then I'm like, um, which is going to be another hot take because I'm not a Red Dead 2 fan. I think it's like really dull and like overly like systemed. And I'm like, is this the Red Dead 2 of like metals where it's like, no, it's really good. Then you're like, I was kind of bored. Oh my God, me too. Right. And then the, the discourse <laughs> starts to shift. And, you know, I think you only kind of get that stuff sometimes through those conversations and like mm -hmm. a willingness to kind of, you know, be open to that. And I think at, at their best, it's that. And at its worst, it's like, well, maybe you're too dumb to understand it. And then I'm like, you know what? Maybe I am, but maybe you're pretentious. I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. And then, yeah, you always have to go into those things open with an understanding of like, taste is a thing. Like, right? Like the, the way that people like, you know, there are some, uh, I understand why Rob likes certain strategy games that I could never play. And I was just like, yeah. it's not for me. And that phrase, I feel like, is very important in those sorts of situations. World War Two. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, sounds yeah, interesting, World Rob. World War II. Yeah, I guess. I, I, huh. I'm happy for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I also though think I think the it the pendulum swings in the opposite way too because like I hate the. I'm happy it exists when like I know you don't like that game mm -hmm. and like you <laughs> thought about it and you're knowledgeable. And you just don't want to like be a jerk. But it's like, it's not bad to say that like you don't think something is good. Like I think right. there is that degree of like criticism as as like meanness or as like, oh, well, like Patrick liked it and I said it was wasn't good. So like, does that mean I think Patrick is that was like, no, it's like maybe we just have different takes on the game versus the example that you give with Rob Cotto, I think is such a poignant example of that's legit hey, that's your thing, not my thing. Like, I can't right. understand it. I couldn't. There are games where it's like, I, and that's why I don't play like fighting games currently. Like maybe one day I will, but I'm like, there's no point in me playing it because I could never tell you if it was good. I right. just can't. I could like maybe tell you if I had fun playing it, but like that doesn't even mean anything because I don't understand it. Can and I play with Brian like, Cox? You know? Like, I actually think I might get into video games if after <laughs> he, he's gonna that. actually be in Tekken this time. Tech, he's playing. He's, he's 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 hey, Archie. <laughs> Everyone just I, needs know, a little push, you know. <laughs> you have not oh seen God. the Brian Cox uh, who plays Logan Roy in Succession, amongst many other things, explaining the story timeline of Tekken. It is that did cross my timeline. I, I didn't. <laughs> you have have you not watched it? No. Oh, it's on on Kato. Please, please I'm somewhere in here include a clip yeah. for the audience they, I, if they have not yep. listened to it. it I don't care about Tekken. I don't know anything about the timeline. The moment well, now I quit you know. playing that, Brian Cox well, now, explained I, it now to I'm you. ready. Now, now I'm caught ready. up. Ready for you know about um, the devil gene. <laughs> when Kazuya was just five years old, his father, Heihachi, feared the boy possessed the devil gene, which is passed down through generations to the bearer's children. 
It allows the host to transform into a winged demon that possesses incredible strength and power. Well, nothing of, yeah, but it's, well, Brian Cox doesn't have time to tell me about the dinosaur with the boxing gloves. You know, like, oh, well, like, the we dinosaur can't with the boxing time. gloves doesn't have the devil gene. It's not as important. Every, <laughs> every game should get that kind of summation treatment, though, because, like, I, I think I, that's I mean, what we've I, all honest, needed. Having watched it, I wish, I, I, I look, sometimes video games are kind of a copycat industry uh, for, for good reason. And I, I think maybe that would be a good one. Just sign Brian Cox up to explain the timeline we of your come. Brian Cox explains Kingdom no, Hearts. No, damn it. I was going to go there, but I was going to say, we need Christopher Lloyd in his best Doc Brown outfit. Because there's fucking time shenanigans in that fucking game to do Kingdom Hearts for us. <laughs> Brian, look, we'll bring back lore reasons if Brian Cox agrees to come on. Um, that's that's my that's my line, and I'm sticking to it. Um, oh my god! Let's get into uh, a little bit of news before we get into the, the games we've been playing. Uh, you know, sadly, we start where we left off uh, last year, uh, which is to say, uh, there are a lot of uh, layoffs already in the video games industry. I think uh, it's well worth checking out, or maybe just bookmarking. Uh, as uh, Janet pointed out, this uh, article from Kotaku, um, uh, from Zach Zwiesen. I haven't, had, I haven't pronounced Zach. Zwiesen. Zwiesen. Right? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, that sounds better than my version of it. Uh, <laughs> 11 days into 2024 and 2,700 plus video game layoffs have been announced, uh, at a developer called Archiact, which is a VR developer that did the most recent Doom 3 VR port, an undisclosed amount of layoffs, um, uh, Bossa Studios, 19 people, largely Q&A in production. Uh, Unity, uh, who has been through a lot already, 1,800 people, 25% of its staff as part of what it's calling a, quote, reset. Um, Twitch, uh, uh, Bloomberg reports, has laid off 500 people. That's about 35% of its total staff. And it went through layoffs uh, counting in the hundreds last year. Uh Playtika, uh, a developer, uh, has laid off up to 400 employees or 10% of his total workforce. Um, and Discord, like, as I was putting this together, I had to keep adding, it's like, oh, this, oh, there are layoffs here. And they're like, I had to keep adding it in my little note uh, for, for the news segment. And then the latest, right before we recorded, uh, Discord uh, announced uh, with reporting from The Verge that 17% of the company's total staff uh, adding up to, I don't have a number in front of me. Oh, 170 people uh, are going to be laid off. So it's a enormous amount for January 11th. Um, now, part of the reason you're going to see a lot in January and February uh, and probably March has to do with financial quarters, right? So you have companies that are trying to get their finances to look a little leaner uh, ahead of having to quote uh, to deliver quarterly results or fiscal year results. So I expect that is part of this. But at the same time, I think it is continuing a trend that we saw last year, which is money is very tight in video games. Business models are changing pretty rapidly. There is a lot of uncertainty, even as there are more games than ever, it seems like to play. There are factually more games being published on Steam than ever before. Uh, and so even though the video game industry seems exceedingly healthy, if you were just, you know, if you just play video games, like if no, you don't listen to video game podcasts, you have no sense of the industry. I don't think any person would, would if you ask them, like, do you think the people are losing their jobs constantly and the whole thing is a shit show? My guess is you would not even 
make that assumption because like, no, games are more popular than ever. And yet behind the scenes, I think it shows just how stake, how high stakes everything is uh, right now. And it's a it's an upsetting and disconcerting place to be uh, at the moment. Yeah, I feel like, too, the thing is, it's the impact that we haven't felt yet. Besides the badness of the impact that people are feeling like, you know, every day, like coming in, whether it's you're some you're someone who's directly affected, whether it's your colleague and it's just kind of a general like morale situation or holistic industry situation of constantly like feeling like you need to scrounge up job offers to like pass around like your inner circle to try to like you're trying to take care of everybody but there's just like more and more people and there's just not enough to deal with that but there's also you know um hearing conversations from like people who are more in the like you know not necessarily the directly development side but like the making of games the publishing the pr all of that uh the amount of people who are like you know what this is my, I think it's my time to be just be done. Like, I'm not going to come back um, and come in and like try to continue in the industry. And what that means is like, you're losing not just talent, but like the, um, everything that goes into just being good at your job. Like, you know, the systems, the understanding, and you're going to constantly have to like redo that kind of stuff when it's like in a good, healthy work environment, an ideal situation, you are both cultivating junior talent, but also like, establishing like that strong base of like these are people that have like been with us for so long they know how to do it they know the ups and the downs they have this but we also have this this healthy mix of the old but also the new and fresh perspectives but I feel like we're losing kind of at both ends in that way we're not only and then plus the from the outside looking in people going in are like maybe I shouldn't even go in here so then you're also getting a lot of discouragement for people that are in that junior talent level who are looking to form a career where it's like you know, is there anything even here for me? Like for as far as mentors that my own, my mentor just lost their job. So what am I, where, where does that leave me? And it's, it's all just, it feels like it's all just eventually going to cave in on itself. Um, yeah. And then there goes the sirens. <laughs> yeah, that's the, sadly, that's the layoff it's, it's siren. It's happening now. That, uh, yeah. That we, that we're, that I think we're going to be hearing, unfortunately, uh, far too much uh, going, going forward this year. And, you know, it's when you contrast this against, you know, some of the information that came out of the Insomniac ransomware attack last year where uh, uh, Spider-Man 2, you know, one of the most you know best-selling games uh, play, uh, produced for PlayStation, obviously an enormous budget, but all indications were that, hey, Insomniac's just delivered a banger, a game that everyone loves and is selling a lot. Yeah, you guys are going to have to tighten your belts too. Um, it goes to just show how fragile a lot of game development is um, where uh, from the outside looking in, you make a game that sells tens of millions of copies. Everyone adores it. Like, oh, you're good. And it's like, well, you look under the surface like, no, like <laughs> like me, this is all kind of a house of cards. And, uh, you know, I think we've seen that uh, nowhere more apparent than like the rolling layoffs that continue to go through, you know, like a place like Embracer, where, you know, they're a company that benefited the most from kind of the free capital and liquid money that defined a lot of the the COVID years. And now they essentially vacuumed up a bunch of developers with no plan on what to do with them and now are just systematically laying them off. And uh, as a, you know, in, in the same way that you, all these companies talk about, you know, you read from the New York Times piece about Discord and, you know, this quote you could just apply to any of these layoffs, which is from their, uh, founder and uh, chief executive, uh, Jason Citron, uh, quote, we have to face some hard truths. We are increasingly clear on the need to sharpen our focus and improve the way we work together to bring more agility to our organization. 
Like, what the hell does that mean? Like, I have no, I like, that's just, <laughs> well, we mismanaged the company. Yeah. And our shareholders demand that uh, we spend less. And so you're gone. Uh, and, you know, places like Twitch that have had sort of rolling layoffs over the last couple of years um, because just sort of sheer kind of incompetence at a, at a management level on how to sort of guide those those places. You know, you start to get people who, oh, well, this is the layoff that came for me. I mean, this is something we experienced at Vice all the time in in the years I was there where I don't know how many layoffs we went through at Vice, but when you when you when you work at a place that is chronically mismanaged and the solutions to its problems is not to deal with the people at the top, but is just to cut the people at the bottom so that uh, they can answer for the financial mistakes of of management. You know, every time a layoff happens, it's like you're just you're just thankful it wasn't you. But that's like a that's a terrible place to be, you know, mentally, especially when you work in a creative field. Um, like, you know, you wake up the next day and a bunch of your friends are gone, but mm, trying to pour some coffee and think of some good ideas uh, is that's tough. It's a the tumultuous nature of your job, if it is not stable, is going to lead to less productive you know, workers, less happy workers, and that can become a spiral that then feeds into the pre-existing problems. And I, you know, that's kind of, that's like something I worry about at, you know, like a place like Bungie, like where yeah. it's like, okay, lots of people are cut. Morale is reportedly low. Well, if the final shape is not an enormous blockbuster success, yeah, like get ready for a whole nother round of this, yep. but how are you supposed to do the kind of best work that, produces that outcome when you know half your friends have left the company yeah it's it's fully fully demoralizing and it's just like you know the 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 just like further evidence that the like structure of just chasing chasing growth until you hit that wall and then just having to cut back is never a good idea like it, it, sustainability is never enough for uh, you know, VC money, obviously, like that's that the whole point of them is that they want a big return, which means you have to grow, which means they want the bubble so they want, that they can so they can pop they leave it. before the yeah, they, so they, someone they, else, they jump someone on else top pops and the pop, bubble. Pop up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they like they give the, from the top. they give the bubble to the vultures <laughs> and then the vultures cut it down and yeah. find the way the, they make money on the up. And then there are different people who make money on the way down. Yeah, it's uh, horrible. It's just like, you know, playing with people's livelihoods as a way, as a means of getting, extracting as much like profit out of as little like input as possible. And uh, it's, you know, it, it's unfortunate because it, there's only so much you can do as even as an independent to, you know, <laughs> feed yourself while you're making a game right like uh it, it can be uh a struggle to find the time and energy if you have to also have another full-time job alongside of it and some people manage to do that but there's already also on top of that so many people who cannot uh find that energy within them and they would normally you know in the in the past have been able to possibly with a good pitch find some vc money somewhere if it was interesting enough to someone and that side of it has dry, dried up as well and you're just uh, you know it, it's the whole system uh ha has these like you know undulations that uh you know i'm sure 
economists would tell you are just like, that's just how markets work. And like, uh, that's normal. But like, it doesn't ever care about the human element of what happens to those people in their lives. Like, because, you know, there's always more interest and like, there's new people every day who go to school, get degrees in programming and are interested in making games, get to, you know, are interested in in entering. And so like, I don't know, there's this, there's this thing where like, so my, my, my spouse used to work at a, at at an art school. Um, and they have a pretty famous, like, uh, uh, a photo program. And there was a moment where they had, or sorry, animation program. And there was a moment when they had, because, um, this is SVA in New York. They had a, an alum, the, one of their alumni is Rebecca Sugar, who made Steven Universe. Essentially, you know, one of the biggest cartoons of the last, like, you know, half decade or whatever. So there was like a huge contingent of new applicants and they were like, we need to expand. And she was the recruitment officer there. And she was like, you cannot do that. It is a bubble that will exist, but the industry is not growing at the same rate as there is new interest in people entering the industry. And you will just end up giving a bunch of people degrees and uh, knowledge and stuff that they won't be able to get jobs in. And like, it was like, it's a it's a type of thinking that I feel like should be applied across more industries of just like it, there is no room for infinite growth. Nothing is infinite in real life, right? Like maybe you can make the money if you're in the right position, you can keep making money forever. But it's at the cost of people being uh, trampled, people being, you know, livelihoods being lost, people being shuffled in and out in chaos and like trauma of losing jobs at the drop of a hat and like not never knowing what if there's an another job in the same uh industry that you've been working at for like decades suddenly just gone you know um i yeah i yeah really i mean we're we like a, look you know to it. In, a, in a tiny way we're a perfect example of that where we're right. rough you know running a business <laughs> Roughly the same size. It's, you know, the economics are a little bit different. Smaller. Obviously, some more people signed up when we went independent, yeah. and we're, we're thankful for that. But, you know, in broad strokes, it's a lot of the same company. We just own it now, and it's sustainable. Like, it, it all of us can pay our bills and then some, and and we can, we can you know, we could build a website. Like, we could do, like, small things to sort of, like, round out what we're doing. But when it was within a company, the questions were always – or were starting to become, so how do you double, like, the amount of people signing up? Yeah. Or, like, we were in a meeting one time, and we were presented with a pitch on what we should do going forward. Like, what if you did, like, twice as many podcasts as you do right now? Oh, God. Like, um – why? Like, well, because more people would listen. Like, not more. It would just be the same audience listening to less of the double. Po- you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's it's <laughs> you know, it's not that they're you know. Obviously, we would like to grow too because it means that we could do more. But if we didn't grow and just roughly stayed where we were, it's a sustainable business yeah. where like we can live our lives and uh, feel like creatively fulfilled for as long as this project makes us happy. But the only difference between a year ago and now is it's not at beholden to like a company with shareholders and like, like that needs to show growth. Like we don't need to show growth. Like growth is like, 
cool, it'd be nice if we made enough money to give exactly. people Christmas bonuses. But that's not, it's not, that's like, wow, wouldn't that be nice and a cool thing to do when you own a company? Not, um, you know, uh, it's time to cut rock. Doubling the <laughs> like, the yeah. point. Yeah. The, to the save points. like the money. And it's like for what? Yeah. Yeah. The but, sorry, Rob. In. The world. You, every time you talk about a game with trench warfare, the numbers just dip. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're pivoting. You, we're not pivoting to trench warfare, Rob. We're pivoting it away. Yeah. Like, have you thought about playing a different game? Let's like, what? Like, what <laughs> have you thought about playing Call of Duty? The kids seem to be really. Well, I, I mean, that like, did come. You know what? Really that came up frequently that we never played Call of Duty. It's like, so. The ad sales team is really wondering why you don't cover Call of Duty. And our response would be, because I think we would call it military propaganda. Like, I don't know if they want to sell ads against that. And they're like, yeah, that's not helpful, though. Like, mm. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. Yeah, it's, um, it's the difference so between the, the, the growth thing being the points or, like, the ultimate goal and it being like, yeah, hey, yes, it would be nice. Yes, yes. We're, we're actively just trying to stay afloat and not even afloat we're like we're like we're comfortable right like it's good yeah it's just like we don't need it to be infinitely better we're not looking for ways to make it better we're like, we're looking for ways to make more th- things that we like doing right like so yakuza infinite wealth that was a lie then <laughs> yeah like what's <laughs> i'm going into this game with a whole new perspective I'm just, but no i mean genuinely to y'all's points like i love that y'all brought up like the bungee situation which you know, I don't play Destiny, but I'm aware of what's going on at Bungie. And I think like thinking back to that in conversation with um, the comment that you made, Patrick, about the like with the Insomniac leaks and talking about like, oh, well, this was great, but like you can't spend this much on a game, like whether it's money or time or whatever. It like begs the question of like, what do you do when being massively successful isn't enough? And it's yeah. like that is wild to conceptualize. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, you have to. And it's that classic thing that you see, and it's so funny um, and messed up how you see so many different like problems that plague different work environments just cut, a, cut across so many fields where it's like, okay, but can you do it with less? It's like that classic, you know, when someone yeah. leaves a job or loses a job, they're like, okay, well, like, can we still like get everything done that we got done before? And now we, we're kind of saving money. But again, they don't even see it as saving money. It's just like more money to have, which is great because we really want to get more and more and more. And it's like, okay, well, this isn't really like you know if you keep moving the needle and i think it's so dangerous to like not have lines like that and i think that is like Mm -hmm. the problem kind of plaguing corporations where it's like there isn't a hey once we hit here like obviously we're still going to try but like we can ostensibly like kind of coast and just kind of keep doing what we're doing and you know anything extra is gravy like no they're like no we're just gonna eat more and more mashed potatoes and i'm like Mm. i think we're full and they're like no we're not you're only supposed to do that for two days a year even the idea that like capitalism wants to eat mashed potatoes 365. <laughs> even the sort of like kind of structural idea of like what it means for a company to be coasting is like we're, it's still a lot of work, right? Like we get to that point where it's like yes. we're we're it's it, it, this is why I like to use the word sustainable a lot. It's just like mm-hmm. it's sustainable. It is chugging along and like the numbers aren't yeah. going up. They're not really they're maybe slightly going down sometimes, but they go they wiggle in like within a one or two percent range. It's, it's negligibly variable. Yeah, you know, where and it's, it's just like, like not going to affect the bottom line. That's not coasting. Makes it almost sometimes makes it seem like they're not like doing resting anything. on your laurels, yeah, right, or like mean. like not doing enough. And it's like no, sometimes things can just exist the way they are, and that's okay as yeah. long as the people doing them are happy and like they're uh, you know well well compensated and like you know if it's yeah. working well in that way. 
growth does not need to come into it as like a uh automatic like well you have to you must you want you want to right um it's that straight up just like capitalist mindset of like more is always better nah <laughs> Uh, well, it is a good pivot point uh, to something uh, sort of related to this world uh, is sort of some developments in the use of AI, uh, machine learning uh, in various parts of the industry. Um, SAG-AFTRA, which, you know, obviously we had the big uh, strikes last year in, in Hollywood, which also touched on video games, video game voice actors, uh, announced on, on Tuesday they signed a deal with a AI voiceover studio uh, uh, that sets terms for the, this is quoting Variety, that sets terms for the use of artificial intelligence in video games. The union announced the deal with Replica Studios on Tuesday at CES in Las Vegas. Uh, Duncan Crabtree Ireland, the union's ex- executive director, said that the terms included informed consent for the use of AI to create digital voice replicas, as well as requirements for the safe storage of digital assets. Uh, when this was announced, uh, it caused a lot of anxiety amongst folks that are in uh, sag after that are voice actors that felt as though they had not been properly consulted on this sort of agreement, didn't feel like it felt in line with some of the stuff they were fighting for and against uh, during during the writer strikes. Uh, there has been since some clarification on what exactly uh, this deal is, uh, for example, from uh, 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 Sarah uh, Elmala. Uh, who is a voice actor uh, who's done a lot of work. She was, uh, she was like the main voice actor in, he played Anthem. Uh, was like one of the main characters in that. He's done a ton of great uh, voice actor work and works with the union um, and had released a statement to Nathan Grayson over at Aftermath. Um, and Sarah mentioned, so the finalized deal with Replica is specific to Replica in building their third-party AI solution. The reformer would sign with them and be covered by them. Uh, and the licensed developers would require the protections and compensation to be carried through. We are proud and grateful that Replica pursued this bargaining process with us. We welcome this kind of conversation and special contract solution that creates new opportunities while protecting our members. In the meantime, we still absolutely need a deal on the collectively bargained interactive media agreement proper. Obviously, many developers will want to use the same technology directly themselves. Having clear and binding requirements around the transparency, consent, and compensation that Replica is in compliance of must be included in the fundamental agreement covering this work. That's why we're adamant and waiting on a fair deal for the IMA. Um... Certainly on the face of this news, I understand why a lot of voice actors were concerned. Um, it is certainly possible for Sarah and the team working on this to misstep, but I, I've i known Sarah. Like she, is, she has spoken out openly against like exploitative practices. I, I, as I would take the work that Sarah is trying to do in good faith based on previous uh, stances that she has taken and, and work that I've seen her do. All that said, it does seem sort of to suggest to some degree a sort of pragmatic approach, which is that things like voice actors, uh, voices being created by AI are inevitable and that what actually needs to happen is not taking the stance that it shouldn't happen at all. But how do you protect the people most affected by it? And so, you know, the most charitable reading of this is working with a company like Replica, who seems willing to sort of create very aggressive terms for the voice actors and then use that as a framework to get others to agree to. Um, And I think it's totally acceptable. If you look at that and go F that, I don't think we should be doing this at all. I think the reality of the situation is that it's coming and the best you can do is to put in proper compensation and protections in place for the people who will most be directly affected 
in terms of their day-to-day work and bottom line. That is maybe an upsetting place to be, but is probably more of the reality of where we're headed to. Um, but um, I don't know. Kato, Kato, what do you make of this? Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. my my like gut reaction is honestly just like this fucking sucks and shouldn't be done. Like I get the, the, there is, I think the argument of inevitability only helps the people who would use this power to eventually like exploit the workers, right? Like there's this idea that like technological progress will continue without you or not. And that simply doesn't have to be the case, especially in a situation where you have a union, right? A a group of people that are supposed to band together to protect each other. And I get this feeling where like, but you don't have to work with, with the union. You don't like in in Hollywood to make up a movie. Yeah. You can't really go around the unions right in video games. You don't have to work with union at like, you know what I mean? So I I feel like I feel like uh, I understand also why voice actors are particularly maybe galled at this because they are probably the most vulnerable of like this bunch because there is not the same sort of like you can't shoot a movie using non-union talent. Everyone's in a union. It is th- that's why Hollywood fell apart that, with the strikes. And Video games be. don't fall apart in the same way. And but I think that has more to do with yeah. the lack of unionization yes. Yes. This is and, the issue, and, right? and collective <laughs> collective uh power in video games broadly speaking right. than it has to do with uh anything else. I think that's that, that speaks to your point. Yeah, it's it's like it it should be so, the we need to get to that point in across all industries that exist in the United States, at least, at least, you know? Uh, but it's just like, uh, I always, I always shuffle against that. Like, well, it was going to happen no matter what. And like, yes, the, the, the people won't stop making this sort of technology, but whether or not it gets leveraged against people in a specific, you know, era, like, I think it's worth rallying behind. Like, <sighs> I I only feel like eventually, like hopefully, the idea is that you get more and more people, uh, joining unions to the point where the, the the it it becomes more like the Hollywood model where like, you won't be able to make things without people who are in the union, right? Um, and I think letting this bit go, like, giving it is a foothold. You're giving this foothold away, kind of. I don't know. Like I, 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 I look at that and I'm like, well, then why should I join the union if they're just going to be giving up, giving up small bits of rights bit by bit, right? Um, it it feels like you've already kind of lost the argument for why the collective is worth joining. Um, but I am also pretty staunchly, like. Yeah, I'm a fucking Luddite in this situation, uh, 100%. <laughs> uh, also, hashtag the Luddites were right. Uh, like, um, so it, it it really, you know, and fucking, I, I don't like it. I have less, well, I, I think less both, specific. I, I, I think both existing is helpful. Right. In which I think I fall on the side of looking at someone like Sarah, who is responsible for like all of these members trying to protect them to the best degree that she and her team can and having people that look at that clear eyed understanding. Well, if we don't do this, well, that part's going to happen anyway. 
Like, let's try and grab onto that. And at the same time, having the Luddites out here, <laughs> you know, like, you know, who like, you know, ask for like both those tensions can exist. Right. Like hand in hand. And like that's supposed to be at its best. Like what is even when you're in a union is like leadership is going to be the ones that come to you with the deal and you can throw tomatoes at them or I, you know, reluctantly hand, but like that, that's supposed to be, they come to you with the compromise. And is that, does that compromise line up with the broader values of the union or you do, do you ask for more? So I don't think it's, um, I think having that is a healthy tension to exist because it's part of coming to a consensus and a negotiation. But I think ultimately I think maybe sag looks at this as largely a lost fight, given yeah. the lack of leverage that video game voice actors are ultimately going to have in all of this. Yeah. And the long-term goal to stem more egregious version of this as the technology progresses, as it becomes more integrated into game development is exactly what you said, Kata, which is if simply more people who could be asked to do the work were unionized, it makes it much harder to go find scabs to like get the job done. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, unfortunately, unfortunately it, I, I worry that these are already a sign that broadly the battle has already been lost. Yeah. Um, if, if you're, if you're, if your goal was for this to not happen, well, that's not happening. Uh, and then it's just a matter of like, which version of a bad version of events is about to play out. Well, and then the last thing maybe with this is that the SAG after released uh, a statement sort of in response to some of the criticism, uh, it was like a more formal response that said, um, it's important to note that this is not our interactive media agreement itself. We continue to negotiate with the major video game companies to achieve the protections we need in that agreement, including AI protections. And the strike authorization we've already secured remains a tool to be employed in that negotiation if needed. So again, if you're mm. reading this charitably, it is, it's harder to get a bunch of video game studios of which I believe like Spider-Man was one of those potentially going to be impacted uh, last fall. I remember that being uh, a concern before that game came out. Um, it's easier to try and set up. Here's a framework with this specific AI company that maybe we can live with. Maybe we can sell this to our members. And then you pitch that to the larger block of video game companies with the opportunity for a strike. It's like, look, either accept these terms that we think are agreeable and our members can maybe come around on, or we'll just go on a strike if you can't agree to anything at all. But I think as, you know, as if you cutely kind of put your finger on here, you're kind of like AI in general just has people so spooked um, and mm. it feels like it's moving so fast. And, it took it's taken 10, 15 years for regulation at like the federal level to even think about going after places like Facebook or other for other kinds mm -hmm. of social media. Like AI is moving so much faster than it ever was like any of those things ever were. Yeah. And we can't rely on like people coming to our like unions are like the, the bulwark against like more proper regulation coming at a state or federal level. And it just doesn't seem like we can rely, like in this specific situation, like on any of those to like yeah. really like put the clamps in place. Like it seems it's, kind of where SAG after his landing is, it's bad. Here's at least like a bit of a seawall, right? Like for 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 us, even if it's not what you would do if the union was stronger or if more acute regulation was coming from the state or federal level. Yeah, it's it's this feeling of like kind of. Like when uh, nobody knows their history, you know, like film went through this, 
They have they as an industry have what like a almost hundred year head start on games basically, uh, not quite but around around there like so much of a head start on on like how long they've been around for where it's like it feels like we like it's easy to look at like from the outside at least it's easy to look at that and be like why the fuck aren't we doing that yet <laughs> like why isn't that just how everything works uh in across all industry that exists um. And especially there's this, like, you know, games in society are still seen as childish in some ways, right? Like, there's still this kind of infantilization of, like, the idea of being uh, interested in them. And thus, people are like, why are you complaining? You're, like, working in games. Isn't that fucking fun? Like, it, it's it, it's this thing where, like, the the class of people that you could you could get to scab are just like wow i get to be in a game like there's still that wonder of just being like wow games are such a fun thing that i enjoy that i can i can look past the idea of how i protect my own labor because it's fun why shouldn't i just do it for free and exposure basically oh there's nothing to be nothing to protect right, right. when you have nothing to risk there's <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? Like it's not you're like defending a career. You're you're doing something to maybe establish a career or, or get your foot in the door. Right. So. Right. And then it's like, <laughs> did y'all see the fucking Mario? Uh, yeah. Incredible. <laughs> like it's tree. not good. <laughs> like even if it were perfect, it would still be kind of terrifying. Oh, this is this is CES. This is CES. This, Kato. Okay, yeah, it, it is slightly different, but I feel like there's like a a, a, a slide. Slight sideline here, just because it's like the the reason it's fucked up is that it just sounds so wrong, right? Like yeah. they didn't even, and like probably because it would be litigious to, didn't even try to like get to the the Charles Martinet voice. Like, <laughs> oh, I think it's litigious already to just try just, out this yeah, Mario. It's just a Mario. I, I, like, I don't understand how they're even putting fa- this n- out Nintendo, there. Nintendo famous for being super chill about yeah. how you use their intellectual property, just. And oh, love fan projects. So funny. And yeah, it's so bad. Um, and it's just like, why does this, why do you think this is a thing that is interesting or needs to exist in this way? Right? Like, what do you, what, where's, what is the value you see you're getting from this? And I feel like a lot of it is, uh, you know, it's driven by the profit mar- motive, yeah. right? It's like, you can, the value is, we can make things for cheaper and faster. Like, isn't that yeah. great? It's like, n- no, I want things to be slower, but better. <laughs> right. I want It'll things to, get to the continu- goal <laughs> of expanding infinitely, <laughs> infinitely which is like, it's like, if you zoom out just for a second, it's like, but you'll never reach that anyway. Yeah. It's like, well, not with you. Attitude. You, you got to keep going. <laughs> it's, you got to climb faster, Kato. And this is going to they think if they have enough money, they'll live forever, right? Like, it is literally this weird clawing. And then they're like, sense what's, beyond, what's beyond forever, Kato? I feel like you need to start thinking big picture. But I mean, yeah. that really is what it is, where it's like, what you know, and I I don't know. It's, not, it's like such a hippie thing to say, because I know at the end of the day, they are, all of these are businesses. And even like what, you know, we do, whether you're independent, whether you're out of a company, like it is still at the end of the day, you know. There's ones and there's zeros and there's taxes and all of that. And I and I get that. But the degree to which I think so many people, so, like some people are just willing to throw the artistry away because they never were there right. for that to begin with. It reminds me of like, you know, and I'm not trying to throw, I'm not just so random, but I'm not trying to throw 
Snoopy under the bus here, but it's like when Peanuts went to MetLife, it's like, was it always about MetLife at the end of the day? Was it ever really about Snoopy? And I'm not trying to come for Snoopy like that because I don't know. I haven't done my research. I don't, maybe they, Damn. you know, they're trying to get the bag. I who Who among us hasn't tried to get a bag, right? But like stuff like that, you have to think about like, was this really the end game? Like, was it ever really about, you know, sure, a lot of us want to monetize our art so that we can like, oh, I want to be able to make my art and live and like live off of my art. And that mm -hmm. has pros and cons. But at the same time, like, what is the ultimate goal? Like kind of the, you know, the car before the horse situation. It's like, are you looking to be able to make your art and live? Are you looking to use your art? To, you know, kind of what's the priority right. there? And, and yes. both need to exist. Like, I acknowledge that. And I get that that does have an impact. Like, I think all of us have at some point, even if it's something small, done something a little differently to maybe save money or save time. Um, but again, is it is it time saving in the way of the artistry? Right? right. And like, I feel like that part is for a lot of these companies or, is or the missing component. Time saving to the expense of real people is really the big yeah. thing. Not even like some, like, you know, like imagine a world where they perfect it. The AI is indistinguishable from a human, but there's a real living human out there who wants to do this because they have a passion for working yeah. in this industry and doing that type of work that can't get that job now because an AI can do it for free, right? Because yeah. they bought the license to the AI and now the company gets to use the AI as much as they want, right? It's not even like it, it, it within the system of capitalism, it's like I could care less if it if they make a one-to-one -one replica of sure. the most artistic, soulful, like I couldn't tell the difference. I don't care. What I care about is the fact that a person out there no, can no longer do that and they want to, right? Um, I think and like too, it, what it gets into difficult sort of like discussions about labor and like what, what people might want to do under a different system where everyone has universal basic income. What, where do people's passions end up lying when the profit motive is, is, is removed? It's kind of like a, a huge difficult discussion to have, but like, I, I do think there are certain types of jobs in like acting, you know, things that kind of seem obvious that have some sort of artistry and creative, creative thrust to them that people would still want to do, even if they sure. had all the money they needed to survive. I think, too, in the ideal circumstance, because like there's certainly, you know, I think industries that are less like. Front facing or front of mind when it comes mm -hmm. to creativity, I think it's. And I don't want to say easy in like a pejorative way, but I think it's easy for us to be like, yeah, this is like, you know, point blank bad because of, you know, it taking away like that opportunity from like an actual like person who's going to do it. Um, I think also generally, like even AI aside, like from a technological standpoint, like the point, the sales pitch that we get of technological advancement is that it's going to like make us more efficient or make it quicker or make it easier for you to do your, you know, that may, people talk about the idea the ideal being like the marriage of man and machine. But I think where the problem ends up coming is that so often we've had so many, like even just like, you know, broad picture societal, like technological advancements, but it's like that classic conversation from like the before series where it's like, I'm not doing anything with the time I save typing on my word processor. It's not like I'm using that to go and look at the sky or like make extra art. It's, it kind of just becomes like the new norm where it's like, yeah. well now our machine does this part of your job. And instead of your job's just easier. Now you have another job because it's to the point again, kind of back to that infinite growth model where even on it's, it's unfortunate that even on the most optimistic angle, so often there's an element of human suffering that exists because of it. Even if it's meant to kind of sold to you as, as, an, as a way to alleviate, like, oh, yeah. it's going to make things easier. 
it's like easier for who though. You pull that thread and it's like <laughs> my day. It's like, oh, I don't just have, it's kind of like, you know, again, it, it is easier, all the time. but because it's easier, that means you could do more of it. Yes. Right? Like, it's like the class thing. The thing that always drove me crazy about like more traditional jobs is like, you're not allowed to be done with your task because if yeah. you're done with your task. Hey, oh, you're not doing anything. Well, we got to get you to do something. Cause we contracted you for the 40 hours. It's like, and I get that. Like I'm here to do whatever, but it's like, if I did what I needed to get done, Unless there's like, a, I don't know, a massive gap where it's like, hey, this took like two hours and we got like eight, you know, maybe I could, it's like, why, what's wrong with like a little downtime? And they're like, right. well, you could be using that to further the company. It's like, what? Like, like ideally you would have that. Cause again, like to your comment, Kato on sustainability, like sustainability only exists if you allow spacing, yeah, right? Like you need space to have sustainability and so many things they're like, no, we can't have space. It's gotta be like, as efficient and fully packed as possible until it explodes. Yeah. 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 Like people, people like, you know, burnout is a huge deal in the, in this industry as well. Like it in all across a lot of industries uh, of just like filling every single space with uh, work when you're like on the clock is unsustainable. People are going to burn out even with the two week vacation plopped in there somewhere, just like week after week of, never having a moment to think about something else. Like it also like drives all creativity out of your like body, you know? Uh it's kind of if you need more vacation no, time, no, you could have brought it up with a VMAP <laughs> production meeting. We're do- I feel like we're doing <laughs> like, yeah, we're like, doing things very we're doing like, with you, you Kato, Patrick the bourgeoisie <laughs> over here. <laughs> no, Kato's taking a vacation in like two weeks. Yeah, I'm going upstate with some friends to snow learn how to snowboard. Um, oh, that's fun. <laughs> Or just like in learn, like, yeah. I've I've never snowboarded. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it turns out Kato's out for a month because no, they got a concussion. <laughs> we'll, I'll be very careful. And they're like, finally a break. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been sick for the last two long breaks that we had. So maybe <laughs> is oh, a broken no. leg as bad as having COVID? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. No, I, I no. I, be I think actually it's better. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, labor. Uh, anyway, well, let's take let's take an actual break uh, for the for this podcast. We'll come back, talk about uh, some games we've been playing. We'll answer uh, some of your letters. Uh, be right back. One of the most normal morning routines is a bowl, some milk, some cereal. What changes as you get older is you might want to modify what you're putting into that bowl with the milk. If you suddenly want to cut back on sugar or you want to add more protein, you're thinking about fitness goals, but you don't want to give up the deliciousness of what you're putting in that bowl, you might want to think about Magic Spoon. Uh, Because with Magic Spoon, you get all those flavors you love, high protein, less sugar, and as someone with kids, the idea that I can show them that these cereals can have all of these things and you can think about what's in your body every morning seems really good. Magic Spoon comes in a variety pack of four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs, only 140 calories a serving. It's high protein, has zero grams of sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free, and look, you put peanut butter in anything, 
I'm there, which is why that's my favorite one, and I'm hiding it from my children. You can go to magicspoon.com slash remap to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code REMAP at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash remap and use the code REMAP to save $5 off. Thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. Hey, Remap Radio listeners. Rob here. You know, the time was I'd come up with a meal plan for the entire week, and then I'd trawl through the grocery stores making sure I had everything I needed right on budget to make those home-cooked meals. Unfortunately, times have changed, and speaking of time, I don't have quite as much of it as I used to. You know, there's a podcast empire to be overseen. But I can't just order fast food and pizza delivery every night. My budget, and unfortunately my increasingly delicate stomach won't allow it. Fortunately for folks in the same boat as me, there's Factor. Factor gives you 35 options each week to make meal planning easy. And not just for dinner. They have breakfast foods and snacks covered as well. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. But it's just as convenient delivering the food you need right to your door. And now, if you head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off, that's right, that's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And now you can head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off. That's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And we're back. Um... One of the things, I, I, before we get into the, we're going to talk about Prince of Persia, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm curious, Janet, did you spend any of your, hi, you play games a lot, you beat a lot of games, you, you you have more time invested in games than than often we do, but so Kato, Rob and I end up spending a lot of time over the holidays, sometimes like catching up on some stuff that we just didn't sure. have time to during the rest of the year, which is why... Well, like Rob hinted at last week, but like formally, like we're fucking done doing Game of the Year. We're not doing Game of the Year podcast in December anymore. We're yeah. done. It's over. Dusted. Like, we don't need to make traffic off Game of the grand, Year. Grand opening, grand closing? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to do it in January. Like that's, that's, oh, that was, okay. yes, that's the idea. Like I had this revelation while uh, on my break. I was like, I'm not, I, for example, uh, a game I played over break, Valfaris uh, Mechatherion, which is this, a kind of like 2D mech sequel to this game called Valfaris, which is this mech-infused uh, kind of action um, uh, Castlevania-style game. The original Valfaris is one of my favorite games from a couple years ago. I saw the trailer for the sequel with a mech, and I was like, that doesn't look very good. But then over the break, <laughs> loaded on my Steam Deck, and then you know what I said? Fuck! This game is good. This game would have been out of my top 10 list if I had had the eight hours to play it uh, mm. ahead of doing that, uh, my, my list itself. So apologies to Valfaris uh, Mechatherion, wow. which is a 
Excellent, excellent game. Uh, I'd highly recommend You're not allowed check to tell out. us that it was a good game. This is <laughs> no, you this is over. <laughs> this is over. It'll hopefully be on it'll be, you know, 2024's, uh, 2024's best 2023 game. Uh, you can edit your article right now. No, I have to. Yeah, I have but the to CMS will know. <laughs> I, have to li- I have to live with it. I have to live with it. But, um, you know, I think that speaks to a reason where we want to time shift that stuff. Next year, just because the nature of our lives and how we structure things, we just end up using some of that time. I finished Alan Wake during that time. I played Valfaris. And the reason I asked that jokingly is because, like, then what do you do during your holiday break time? Do you play video games or do you run away from video games? I would love to run away, which is going to (laughs) make which like, and that's not because, like, I hate games or anything. You know, it's just like, I feel like it's a good time to allow space for, like, Maybe you play something. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just be a normie. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe I'll play something. You know, whatever, right? Um, so, I don't know. This this break was a little weird for me. Admittedly, it wasn't as big of a break as I would have liked. Part of that is, like, some of our Game of the Year stuff also, like, it just kind of kind of shifted around with the people's schedules. So, I was work, And then and then the way the holiday landed, like, I ended up working, like, way closer to... Um, you know, because I, I celebrate Christmas, so way closer to Christmas than I normally would. Like, normally there's yeah. a little bit of runway to Christmas. But, like, kind of, it was, like, the perfect storm of, like, all right, and now we're done. Oh, my God, Christmas in two, is in two days. Like, <laughs> you know? Like, and then and then it kind of, you know, was all of that. And then I spent a lot, I spent a lot of time this break cleaning. Like, I'd finished my Marie Kondoing, which was hard to do. Oh. So it wasn't as restful of a break as I would have wanted. I don't even know if I, if I played, I played a little bit of, like, um, gosh, what was it? Super crazy rhythm castle, a game that sounds made up, but it's real. It's a Konami <laughs> game, I think. What? Super crazy rhythm crazy. castle. It is a multiplayer rhythm game. I played a bit with um, Isaiah, oh, my brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I remember. It's s- solid. It's super seeing solid. An email come across my desk with this. It looks very cute. It's cool. It is cool. It's got like it is very much a aggressively like solid. Like it's okay. Like it's. It's maybe barely good, or but probably just okay. But it's it's yeah, like, cool. Like I'm an eighteen out of twenty. Like if you were doing a list of twenty. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> nah, it, it's definitely going to be like the hey. I know it's not on my list, so I want to shout out super crazy for the. <laughs> oh wow, not even the twenty. All right, wow. Well, no, you know, no. We'll but it's but it was cool. I had fun with it. Um, so I try to let it vibe because now my goal, like you know, a peek a peek behind the curtain, would be to finish whatever I'm going to finish just even before December hits, because I'm tired of like, why are we lying? Like, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm like, you know what? Like, oh gosh, we're doing our calls in like two weeks. And kind of funny does in January for the same reasons, like gives you the yeah. break to do it. I'm like, I'm not going to use that though. Which is, <laughs> hey, that's cool. But I'm like, I'm not going to use it. Barrett, I'm sorry. I know I should play Sea of Stars. I know I'm a bad person. And I know you play all my games and I never play your games, but I didn't like Psychonauts when I tried it, but maybe I should have beat it just because I beat a lot of games I don't like. I should have beat yours. I'm sorry. I messed up, but Barrett, I was never going to use that break for Sea of Stars. Like, I just never was. Like, I, But yeah, I do think, to your point, there are definitely is benefits to the January time because you have the time if you want to use it. And also, usually January is a little slower start anyway, so it's like kind of a good re-entry point, kind of last hurrah. Um, but yeah, like, I am also trying to finish Alan Wake 2, so I did play a little bit of Alan Wake 2 because I'm like, I want to finish it. Um, and I still haven't gotten there, but that's more of like that's a rarity and i think that actually does as much as i the more i play the more i'm like i see what y'all mean but i guess kind of clung i dropped down to easy i can't do it (laughs) but at the same time like the way i'm so compelled to like i really really want to finish it like 
is something that I don't really feel as strongly for like the other games from 2023. Everything else is more like, hey, I'm gonna get to it when I get to it, or I'm gonna get to it really slowly. Like I'd love to chip away at like Tears and Baldur's Gate 3 as like somewhat lifer games. Like I'm gonna play these until I'm like, oh my God, the next one's coming out. Shoot, <laughs> I should finish that and then maybe mm-hmm. I'll finish it. Um, but that's kind of been my vibe during that time. From, that's my long-winded answer. It's like I just run on chaos. I don't. I don't have a plan. <laughs> I just figure it out. Well, you're right. That J- January is a little bit slower. That has not always been the case. You know, we've had Januarys in the past where, like, a Capcom seizes on a yeah. January to drop like a like a big game, like a Resident Evil Seven or something like that. And we do have mm. some big games coming. You know, Yakuza uh, Infinite Wealth uh, is is the end of the month. Uh, Suicide Squad <sighs> is not long after that. Um, but uh, the big game, like, leading up to a lot of those games, um, a game that I think actually will probably grow in interest and estimation over the next week before people can actually get it themselves, is Prince of Persia The Lost Crown, uh, which is a brand new Prince of Persia game styled after Metroid, Castlevania, like, that sort of, here's a big old map, and you're going to get some abilities, and those abilities are going to let you go back to old places very familiar sort of setup um, for for the style of game. Uh, I played it last summer at Summer Games Fest, had a pretty good time with it, but didn't get a sense of like, what's the what's the ceiling? Like, I got a sense of the floor of this game. Like, it seems pretty good. Yeah. What's the ceiling? Um, and what's really exciting to report, having played, I don't know, six, seven hours, Janet, I know you finished it, is that the ceiling on this game is through the fucking <laughs> stratosphere. This game is so good. Like, The Lost Crown is not just good, it's not just great. This is like, put it down, Patrick, remind yourself, hey Siri, remind me how good The Lost Crown is on December 18th. You know that's not gonna work, right? I added how good The Lost Crown for December 18th, 2024. It said, how good the Lost, lost crown. crown. That's good enough. Good enough. I, I, yeah. I'll know what that means. I'll know yeah. what that means. Wasn't there a we reminder editor, you said you know? like two, like a year and a half ago for some shit and you looked at it later and it was like, we couldn't decide. Well, I did it on Twitter. I had, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, probably. And also <laughs> December 18th. I might be going on break on December. I don't know how things <laughs> land. Yeah. So I'm, also, Kato, you're going to definitely have to mute me saying the, the Siri part. I don't want to set off everyone's yeah, uh, devices. It won't happen. No. Okay. If Kato leaves that in. Yeah, we're going to leave it, it in. it all goes off. You got to you you let me know. No, here's the thing. You train Siri on your voice. I can't, I can't Siri my partner's mm-hmm. phone and she can't Siri mine. It doesn't work. Oh, shoot. You okay. never noticed that. Yeah. yeah Kato, there's so many times where you say something and I realize like, oh my God, like, that's that feels really obvious, but I don't know it. Like, is Kato really smart? Am I dumb? Which one do I want to go with here? You know, I just I'm going with Kato's really smart. It's oh, not you. the other thing. <laughs> I, it, it, um, yeah, look, look, mm, the A one, the Amazon's uh-huh. Amazon's one is the one that has a problem because it doesn't. You don't. It doesn't okay. train on your specific voice. When wow. you this is like the. So. This is like the technological version of the Pepsi challenge right now. They're about to do. Y'all let us know. We are about to find us. out whether Kato is right. Um, I love this game. Is Kato, Kato right? right. Well, Come on down. I, I have a sense of where the winds might be blowing. Yeah, yeah, um, anyway. <laughs> 
The Lost Crown is is I think fantastic. It is it is an excellent game. is an excellent Metroid style game. Um, even if you are not like a diehard of like sort of the subgenre like I am, where I'm always looking for another good one of these. I think this is a excellent action adventure game that also just happens to be uh, have the exploration and puzzle elements of a Metroid style game. Janet, what have you made of The Lost Crown so far? Yeah, so I uh, played through it, beat it. It is around that like 20 plus hour runtime. Mm. Uh, I beat it at 70% completion, so I have not 100% of it yet. Um, would like to go back to do that because you're right. It's really, really incredible. Um, I think you totally nailed it as far as like the first impressions vibe because that was my case too. Also, I've been, this is a rarity for me where I had like a lot of coverage and the review. Sometimes I only get like one one piece and then it's like, ah, oh, I come back, but I come back, you know, just for like a podcast review or something. But um, I did a written review. It's on my site, pen2pixels.com. Um, and I had done the SGF thing you described, Patrick, where it was like a specific cut of the game that's specific to that, you know, thing where mm-hmm. they did the four hour preview and I'm like, oh, so you like gave me like extra powers for the thing. They're like, yeah, we wanted to have some fun, you know? I'm like, okay, <laughs> fair enough. You know, 30 minute slice, I, I respect them for, no shade to people that don't do those kind of cuts. It's a lot of work. But I was like, oh, okay, interesting. Like, and I, same deal. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a, this is very clearly a good video game. Like, oh, it's good, you know? But again, Saturday Market, there's a lot of good games. Um, and it, you, not everything is going to be something you make time for. I mean, there's, there's the greatest games of all time that I've missed where I'm like, hey, I don't know what to tell you. I'll get to it when I get to it. <laughs> so it happens to all of us, right? But like <laughs> playing this, I'm like, oh, my God, this is just so incredible it really felt like the gift that kept giving where it's like all right i'm having i'm having a fun time and then there's these wow moments whether it's um i remember i think the first time where i was like and and for me i score on a five point scale um when i was like like, oh this is like very like strong four out of five vibes like great game great video Mm -hmm, game mm -hmm. and then i had like a moment where i'm like dude this is a five out of five this is awesome (laughs) like this is incredible and it was honestly and that's what impressed me so much it was such a mundane moment it was like I was just like in a random room and I had this enemy encounter with like a regular, regular enemy. And I was like, oh man, I haven't seen this enemy before. And with the, their attack they did like really like threw me through a loop. And I feel like I can point to so many moments in my time with Prince of Persia, the Lost Crown that I think in a lesser game would be like a mundane Metroidvania moment of like, you know, going from point A to point B and then I go back again. But in between all of that, there's so many like beautiful satisfying challenging but fairly challenging moments like especially for me i'm a huge platformer fan um like and i love a hard platformer like a hard like tightly knit platformer and those like optional little challenges where you're getting the coins which are basically like the celeste strawberries we're like you have to land to like for it to count and all that we should explain that because i think not every game does it this way right so what celeste does uh what the lost crown does is there are these um extra challenge rooms where you'll see a dangling, like see a coin floating. Yeah. And it's already hard enough to get to that coin, but the game is only going to give you credit if you get out. And so, whereas Celeste, you just have to land in the lost crown. You'll have to get your way back out of the puzzle location. And so, um, and it depends on what area there's a little wiggle room for, for how the game is going to quote count it. It's not like you're getting necessarily, to a specific gate where it says yeah. like, hey, but like there are times where you will get it and then have to loop your way in reverse through the puzzle. And then you'll realize, oh, wow, this puzzle was clearly designed 
to be completed slightly differently forwards and backwards. Like they understood what they were doing yes. when they were doing the layout in this way because you'll fail on the way back because you can't use the same strategy you used to get in. And you're right. The the platforming feels great. The uh, the the depth of the combat is really sort of best in class. Um, this has like the, there is layers to this combat that most players will never interact with because the game doesn't actually functionally demand it from you mm-hmm. to get through a lot of combat encounters. But if you want to go into those depths where you are doing ridiculous air juggles and like swinging together, like light kind of like fighting game combos. This game has it and it feels good. It feels satisfying. It's very intuitive. Um, You know, the basics of the combat are really like attack and parry. Like that's what the game really on a basic level wants to, to engage with you. You really can't get through this game meaningfully without doing some level of the parry. But underneath all that is just like a really great, kind of like character action game level fighting system that every time I got a new layer to it, I was shocked at how elegant it integrated to everything I'd done before and how much more depth that gave me for every encounter that came up after. Yeah, it really feels like almost like a piece of music where, you know, like my brother has a music background. He's teaching me piano right now. And where it's like a good song knows how to sit in an idea for long enough to allow it to develop. And I feel like playing this, it felt so much like almost like a, a symphony coming together where it's like, and then they add in this part. It's like the horns. It's like, oh, yeah. Like it's it's familiar yet new and like came at the perfect time. Like everything's so well thought out. I think as far as the combat too, one thing I want to add to um, your sort of like base pitch on it, which I think is pretty much, you know, the combat's core, but I would add the, I would add the slide in there. I think the slide yeah. is huge. Um, and it's funny because there's a dodge, but I'm not the biggest fan of the dodge. Like it's a little bit like you gotta stand perfectly still, and then it's like boop, and you like go back. So I actually found myself sliding around a lot to kind of, especially when I was first getting open to the parry, because I'm not, I'm a kind of parry adverse player, and I think a lot of people are, but they do a great job with like the more basic telegraphing, where it's like, hey, if you can hit the yellow ones on like that first boss, that's gonna take you a long way, um, and it kind of really like guides you in that sense. Um, but yeah, back to like the kind of the way everything kind of speaks in conversation with like all the different pieces. I think even just in like exploring the areas, like more so than in other Metroidvanias, like I think sometimes you'll get a Metroidvania where you are constantly feeling like, okay, like I'm missing kind of every, which you are missing every ability at the start, but you're kind of almost constantly seeing what you can't do. And in Prince of Persia, I actually got the feeling oftentimes of, wow, I'm able to do a lot with what I have already. Like I would get really far into an area before they're like, okay, now this is like, an, you need this other ability. And then, you know, I'd mark it and come back. But I'm like, wow, you're able to like pull off a lot with even just the first like one or two abilities you get. And I think it's because there's a lot of like dynamics within the tool set they give you from a traversal standpoint. Um, but yeah, even with like the combat, like when you talk about the depth of it, like the thing that really blew my mind was when I started doing, like they have like a baked into optional tutorial. It's like the classic like, I'm a guy who gives you challenges and mm-hmm. it, like tells you the button, pro- you know, and that's cool and fine. I think a good way to like teach the skill, 
And it starts off very basic with just like regular combos, like you hold the joystick up and the attacks up. It's like, yeah, cool. You can you can fall ass backwards into that. And most players will, which is good. Like you want to feel like you can pick up a game and play it right away. What really blew my mind is once I started getting the additional abilities and they taught you how you could use those abilities in combat. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is man. really smart. I like wouldn't and you know to people's credit some players maybe would naturally think of some of these solutions but i i certainly didn't things like um the the chakram uh weapon which is essentially functions like a boomerang uh when it comes back to you you, you can, can parry it, it. yeah and I, then i was like oh my yeah. because here's the <laughs> thing <Hell yeah. laughs> here's the thing it's not just like oh it's cool and you can keep attacking with it yes that is cool but why it works so well and this is this is why i feel like this game at the core it's just harmony coming together so well is you also have Athra, which is like basically a meter that builds up your special attack, which is called your Athra Surge. It's like big attacks you can do. You can swap them out. You gain more. Some require one level bar. Some require two. Some require three. I don't know if it goes higher than three, but, you know, that's the flow of the game. And, you know, you're building that up. When you get hit, it goes down. But then you can put an amulet where it's like it doesn't go down. You know, so everything's kind of singing together. So once you add that parry... It's like I had I got the getting the parry down. I'm parrying the chakra when it comes back. Then I put on that amulet where it's like parries build Athra. Then I upgrade mm-hmm. the amulet. Parries build a lot of Athra. So like on top of the, you know, especially for bosses where it's, you know, and you can always play different ways. But I, I find that I'm a little more aggressive here because I'm like the faster I can get out of here. Like I don't want to do the endurance run. So I want to like be more efficient. So it's like besides the attacks that are built in at a lot of the bosses where it's like, oh, this is where you parry, and this is where you can kind of build up Athra if you want to, and you can dodge if you don't, or whatever. It's like, okay, well, I'm building that. I'm like, and then I'm building my own on the side while I'm hitting them, and then it's like, and then it's like, oh, boom, Athra Surge, Athra Surge, and it's kind of going like, it's like a it's like a runaway train that you're in control of, and it's such a good feeling in a game. Yeah, and to speak to your point about how the exploration stuff doesn't feel, so like a lot of times in Metroid-style games, you'll... Like, oh, there's the red door. I don't have the red laser. Um, And then you can sort of extrapolate from there different ways the game communicates in very binary terms, things you can't, can and can't access. I think it's a real testament to the art design, the level design that, yes, you you do come across things that's like, oh, I can't reach this ledge. All right, there must be something that I'm going to get eventually that will allow me to do that. But it's not shoving it in your face. It feels like you are just exploring a space and occasionally you come into roadblocks that you know you'll have to come back to. Um, and one, uh, the way they deal with the map in this game is huge. It is a huge map. Like there are you're going to a lot of spaces. You know, I've, I'm, you know, what, a third through the game. And so I have a lot of the map to go. And the map's already pretty big. Um, they bill it as an, an accessibility feature. And it is that. But it's also just sick as hell, which also can be accessibility. You know, captions are an accessibility feature. But when you come, like, at any time in the game, you can hit down on the D-pad, and it will take a screenshot of where you're at and attach it to the map. So how often in one of these games... So a lot of these games, especially in the the modern era, will have a map, and then you can, like, put a little... Which icon do you want to put here that represents something... I, and this game does actually have that. You 100% can put little icons down. I hate that shit because all it <laughs> means is that I'm putting down a little icon and then writing in my phone what the icon means. We haven't really accomplished so now I just keep very it much here, here. And then I Can't let it fail that. me. I let it fail. Okay. I, let, <laughs> I live for 
really like, wow. you know, am I going to know what I meant by the thing that looks like teeth? I don't know. Exactly. I'm not going to remember that. How did System Shock have notes you can put on a map and we still struggle with this to this day <laughs> and, every and, day and we stray from system shock's life yeah <laughs> even though i actually didn't like system shock that much when i tried to, when i tried it but you know <laughs> so in this game and you have a limited amount of them but i never found myself or at least i haven't found myself like butting up against the yeah. limit of what i can uh, use and and you can get access to more of them over time to come like memory markers or something like that um but memory shards. you know when you Yes, when you when you come across something where it's very clear, oh, I don't have this yet, and you have this sprawling map, you press down on the D-pad, and on that marker, when you hover it over it in the map, you can you see that screenshot in a miniature form, and then you can expand it out to see what it looks like, just as though you had taken a screenshot like to share on social media or with a friend. And it is it's so clearly a feature that is there. Um I understand billing it as accessibility, and I'm and I'm sure that it functions that way. But it also is directly in line with if you have played one of these games, you have experienced this moment where a map gets sprawling. Whether you've got icons to j- dump on the map or not, you forget like where where was that that thing that I wanted to go back to you when too I got are the thing. To financial compensation. Have you ever <laughs> known that you had eighty places to go when you got the morph wall? But you can right. remember oh where those 80 places were. Yeah. But you know they're not the places you just went for the last two hours. Because you have 100%. And this game feels, it is it is uh, lovers of this style of game uh, looking at a friction point and asking, is this a, is, is player's memory something that is in, and their lack of memory, intrinsic to what makes these games work? Or is this a problem we can solve? And you don't have to take the screen captures, right? Yeah. This game even actually on a basic level when you kick into it, you know, there's uh, a difficulty that can change, you know, how the combat works. And it also has something called a uh, guided or I think exploration mode. And essentially what it's telling you is like, hey, do you want us to put objective markers on the map or do you just want to kind of figure it out? And most of these games put objective markers on the map. And in many ways, uh, it's them asking, do you want a sort of more hands off approach to the game to to this style of game. And I went with that. I stuck with the like exploration one where like you kind of got to figure out where where you're going on your own and you can always change it after the fact. You can just go into the options menu and shift it around. And I have found that to be very satisfying so far, but it's it's just there are so many little details like that in this game and they they track with environmental and level design that tries to look normal and appealing and interesting without shoving in your face what you don't have yet. These all work in concert for, I think, a team that just understands this genre and this type of game really well. And every time I encounter some new little details, man, you this is, it's a very smart game. Lots of, lots of games are made by smart people, but it's always, it's always very cool when you can play a game where it feels like that part leaps off the screen at you. It's like, ah, this is such a clever way to, to go about this specific thing that I've seen in a million games before. Yeah, it's so satisfying. I think, too, like, you know... I people will not often ask me, but sometimes people will ask me like, why would I play a game that I don't like? Or why would I beat a game that I don't like? And I'm like, well, you can still like learn something from it. And also I just like beating games. Cause it's like, Oh, I did it. Thank God. You know, it's done. <laughs> now I can do something else. But you know, there's satisfaction to obviously the completion, but there's also a lot of 
a lot of learnings and I've and I love platformers and you know Metrovanias it's a toxic relationship I don't really want to comment on my you know <laughs> I've played a lot of them and I uh-huh. love Metroid but I've also been a victim of a lot of Metroidvanias as well um so you know there's wait that. So where do you fall on uh <sighs> Hollow Knight Oh, you know, Hollow Knight, I haven't, I want to give it another shake. I tried it and I was like, bro, it's really hard and I don't know where to go. Well, I'm going to put it oh, Okay, no. well, you know what? That, that's, that's not, an, uh, uh, that's not yeah. an unfair description of yeah. the game. No, <laughs> but it's like, it's cute looking and I like, and again, I like Metroidvania. It's like, you know, I've played, a, I've played Metroid for God forever, forbid so. you ever I, take a break in playing uh, Hollow Knight. You come back and be like, what the fuck was I doing? Done so. Where, done where, so. where was I? I guess I? for Metroidvanias, I like them, but I'm not in love with them because it can be a pain in the ass. And it's funny because mm-hmm. I was writing my review and I, and I, you know, build this as like, you know, a, met- a Metroidvania that proves that Metroidvanias don't have to be about getting lost. But my initial thought was that proved that Metroidvanias don't have to be annoying. I changed it. Cause I'm like, I don't want people to think I don't like Metroidvanias cause I do, but you're they're, selective. They're, it's an annoying, it's an annoying genre because of what you're describing where it's fun until you fuck it up. And it's a little annoying to like have that flow. And I get that, you know, and again, and I think Prince of Persia allows, for spacing there and, and plays with that and acknowledges like, again, that, that friction point and kind of removes it. But I mentioned this or I bring up like, you know, bad games and finishing that because I've seen so many things done wrong that like, I really have grown a deeper appreciation for the, even the subtle ways that Prince of Persia does stuff right. Even with like repeated general design ideas where like, you know, it's a Metroidvania that leans on platformer, so you have a lot of like, you step on the platform and it disappears. And that gimmick comes up again and again and again. But it's so beautifully designed and cohesive with the environments where it's like they change it just enough where it does feel fresh, where it's like, well, now it has like the spikes because it's the pirate area or, oh, well, it's ice. So it functions like this way or like now they're like, you know, sort of hologram area. I think, too, like they allow so many times. I think one thing that helps them create this feeling of not constantly feeling like you don't have is they play with adding in stuff where later you can like do it in a different way where it's like oh at one point you use the bells to create these platforms but like later maybe you can like in you know engage with them differently like with a different ability so they kind of allow for like i feel like you just tried to not spoil a power because actually one thing i will say about this game is the powers are a little surprised like so in in a you know, I used the 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 uh, the point about playing a Metroid style game, and there's a red door, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay. Well, I know I'm gonna. I have a green laser right now. Clearly, I'm gonna get a red laser or yeah. a red mist, and like, it's very clear how they're gating you. Part of what's so brilliant about the level of design here is, and I, I there's very specifically a a uh, a power I I just got um, that was sort of surprising, and then when I went back to an area, I suddenly realized. Oh, yeah. this is why the area is the way it is. Now I understand how I could get past it because the 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 look of the area doesn't even present itself as a puzzle. You just didn't realize you walked past a puzzle because you didn't have the tool that would let you even view the yeah. area in that way. And so I think that's part of why the game is able to get away with the level and art design that it has is because the powers themselves are just fundamentally unique in many yeah. ways. So they can kind of hide their even that there's even something else here for you to discover because you don't even know how to look at the room yet. It's not as, it's not always as simple as just you can't jump high enough yes. or there's a, uh, uh, you know, you don't have the bow and arrow, so you can't, you know, c- clearly like Hit click this platform whatever, on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I definitely, again, without getting too into spoilers, even though it's kind of weird in a game like this where 
it's like sometimes in the marketing and I'm like, well, what's, you know, and I, I just, you know, I try to get on the side of caution. So I've talked about like, you know, in my review, I'll go into like the first, like the dash power or something, but like yeah. where it's like, oh, you can jump across like a big thing. But again, I think they, their use cases end up being really diverse where um, there are abilities I've gotten where like I'll, mar- you know, with the memory shard. And also I did use the icons on top of the shards, which mm-hmm. was really fun because I did a thing where like, you know, and it's, it's not a spoiler, there's high parts of the level where I'm like, okay, it's either going to be like, I don't know, a double jump, I can fly, like so, some way to get me up. I don't know how I'm going to get up, but something's going to get me up there. And for that, <laughs> I'd put a star. And in my head, ah. I'm like, star, like jump up superstar, like Mario. Okay, that's my okay. thing. Wow. And then the other, you know, I'd have these weird shorthands <laughs> yeah. instead of just using my phone like a normal person. But <laughs> what was so cool about like some of the abilities is I'm like, okay, like, oh, so this is how I solve this. But then also like I'd be presented then with side challenges where I'm like, oh, and then they want me to like, not just use the ability. I think that's what's fun. Like the abilities aren't just about like, finally I can progress. They're like, oh, now I have a new way to play and like play, not just for like getting through the game, but play for like, I'm having fun with it. Mm -hmm. Like it's interesting. It's engaging. It's different. I'm like, oh, like it's so cool. Like, I mean, this is a game where I was playing it, especially the the platforming sections, because I'm such a uh, stan of like hard platforming that I'd get through an area and I'd record it. And I'm like, the game's still embargoed. I'm like, I don't know even if I remember to share this on the Internet, but I'm like, look at how. And I like I did something. I recorded it. And then like my partner was on the couch. I'm like, you got to watch what I just did. Hold on. I die like four times. Let me. Okay, okay, now this one. This is the run, you know, and then he'd be like, oh, wow, that was that was really close. I was like, right. So I barely made it. I didn't think I'd do it, but I did, you know, and it's got so much of that um yeah i mean i think it's just integrated well to a t it's so seamless even like the side quests i love how they structure them where i think so often in games and and metroidvania's same deal um a side quest is like okay well let me stop what i'm doing and like take on this side quest but Mm -hmm. for the most part most of the side quests like they're not something you know and i haven't encountered all of them i think there's like you know a handful total but they're not something you can really go and do there's something that like you encounter where it's like, hey, there's one very early on that you get where it's like a like the ghost of a guy or something might be butchering that slightly. But it's like, oh, find my like the other lost soldiers, like, you know, free their spirits by like killing them. And they were like really hard fights and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you do that like w- once like pretty soon after that. And then later, like literally like I like it was like, a, I don't know, a few hours from beating the game. And like I fought somebody and they're like, another lost soldier has been freed. I was like, we're still rocking <laughs> with the lost soldiers 20 hours later. And I'm into that. And it feels like cohesive and interesting and almost like, um, you know, like we when we talked about Spider-Man 2, we talked about it being like New York is so like Spider-Man's New York, where it's like this cozy little town of these NPCs. And you kind of get that. But instead of coziness. It's like some weirdo looking for like moon shards and someone who's like killed a ghost of my badass brother. And it's like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Like, and it's so, it's just so damn cool and satisfying and fun to do. And like, you know, again, I think the highest compliment I can pay is that like, I'm just desperate to like complete this whole thing. Like I, if it wasn't for like it being due, I would have been like, I'm going to hundred percent it before I finish it. Just mm-hmm. cause like, it's that good. Like, I really want to. Like, I had to stop at a certain point. I'm like, okay, I can't do any more of, like, the side, like, hard content because, like, I want to finish it, like, within, like, you know, a day or so. And I was like, damn. But I just, maybe if I just took a five more minutes, I could, like, get through it. Because like, they're so good. And you don't even notice they're even sides. So I'm like, I don't even, like, I don't know. Like, I don't even clock that I don't need to do it because, like, there's no question on whether or not I want to do it. It's 
mm-hmm. great content. So yeah, of course. Yeah, I f- fully agree. And part of the reason I'm hesitant to, you know, s- spoil the the powers is part. Yeah. I think partly part of it is the game has just such excellent pacing. Um, you know, it's it does a really good job of really picking its moments when a new mechanic is introduced. You know, I, you know, you mentioned the game being twenty hours long. That's fairly long for. Yeah this style of, of game um, and some games justify it. Like hollow Knight's really long. I think, I think that game justifies it. Um, these games wait. tend to be on the, on the, <laughs> on the, on the shorter end. And then the way you get to the longer playtime is how much of a completionist yeah. are you? Um, and this game, I think is on a base level longer. Um, but I think it's, it more than justifies that by, yeah. by its design. And, and part of that is just, I think really exquisite pacing of a new mechanic of a new skill that recontextualizes uh, not just where you've already been, but where you're going. And and every time it happened, I was just really, I, again, I don't want to, but the one of my favorite enemies, one of my favorite discoveries in, in the game is, uh, and I'll be vague here, but I think you'll know what I mean, is the kind of slime-like creature that has a giant mask. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. It kind of slithers towards you and it has like a giant face on it. Um, it's tough because there's like something else that that is like you're describing, and I wonder if it's. I don't think it's the same enemy. <laughs> so that's mm. why. All right. Well, let's. Well, I'll describe it more uh, carefully off of off of the okay. podcast. But anyway, th- taking out that enemy is not clear. Like this is a game where usually when you fight an enemy, is like yeah, I swing the sword at the guy uh, and I take it out. This you have to do something pretty novel with one of the powers that you get. Okay. I think I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. It was just a, it was a very much when you were talking about aha moments where the game swings from, and this is really good to holy shit. This is really good. Was one of those moments. Um, and I just a, just a really, really, it's just a really good game. And I, I, again, I've played a lot. Like you are selective. I am not. I play a lot of these styles of games. They don't have to hit a very high. It's yeah, they don't have to hit a very platformer high. Where I'm like, what'd you make? It's bad. Fuck it. It's pretty good to me. <laughs> I don't know. It's just one of those genres for me where like, like the base level, what they're trying to accomplish hits for me. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to play a lot of them. And where like, so far as for, whereas for you, you need one to hit a higher mark for it to work for you. Yeah. It's for me. It's just like when it hits a higher mark, it just hits higher mark on something that I already enjoy. And I, I think it's a real testament that this game works on both ends. I think it's yeah. a really terrific Maybe you can speak to this more than I can because I'm a mark, but I do think this game strikes me as if you don't usually like this style of game, I think this is a very, but like you, I think this is a very good entryway into one of these types of games. I think it reduces a lot of the friction that is naturally inherent without losing a lot of the fun that is, that is then inherent to this style of game. I think like 100%. Like, I wonder if this has ruined me for other Metroidvanias in a sense because it's just so like, it, it's weird because it's a hard game, but it's also like, it's e- it's hard in interesting ways and easy where I want it to be easy, which has kind of been my like, my gripe with Metroidvanias at times where it's like, yeah, and then I get like lost and then I got to run all the way back and then, you know, and then it's like, oh, well, I didn't upgrade the missiles enough and my Samus isn't good enough to kill the boss and I got to be super OP to have a chance. And Nintendo <laughs> won't put difficulty settings and they're like, oh, drop this amiibo to get one shard of health every eight hours. And I'm like, are you just, are, are, did you have trouble with the end of Metroid Dread? Yes. Is this like some trauma we're getting back to? <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. I had so that much game, trouble. And that's just that game's hard. The Metroid, Metroid Dread on. is, 
is 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 <laughs> roll, is rolling on my sleeves. Hold on. No, I feel, yeah, but I, I Metroid Dread is remarkably harder than your base level Metroid game. You played that too, Cotter, right? Would yeah. you agree with it? like Metroid Dread? Like base, yeah. I think Metroid Dread base level difficulty is like hard mode of a normal Metroid game. Yeah, yeah but also I, even the normal Metroid games are like a little hard. You know, like I mean, yeah, it's funny, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Fusion yeah. as a kid, Fusion's one of my favorite. Games, like ever great. like it's so cool like i love everything about it i'm like and then the suit and the suit is cool and it's like it's part of her you know i'm like a real nerd for that game um and it's funny because i watched my partner play it like on you know through through means that nintendo doesn't need to know about yeah and don't worry those about means it. Hack, hack, uh janet we call that a hacked ps2 uh here on the podcast <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah ps2 which may be allowed for you to like save at any time and things you oh, know things that huh, huh. things that the kids didn't have and i'm like mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when i was a kid you know playing in the hair salon i'm like gba i had to <laughs> go to the safe states and what and, and seeing like how hard that was even with that i'm like how did i do this when i was like nine i don't know <laughs> anyway but yeah metroid dread just to unpack some trauma there um mm. uh, the final boss definitely hours sweat Almost here. I almost cried playing that game because it was so <laughs> wow. hard. I swear to God. I'm like, I, at my grown age, this is like what, a two-year-old story? I'm like, late 20s. I'm like, I. it is taking, it is taking all of the, I have to t- will all of my current emotional development and use it to <laughs> not burst into tears because it isn't that serious. But at the same time, it's like, it is so, it was so hard. It was so hard for me. And the thing that, the thing that also just bothered me about Metro Dread, a game that is fantastic, but way too hard. He's like that freaking. What is it? That guy. You fought the same guy like three times in a row, and like he's different colors each time or something. I'm like, I've heard the name of the little like the little mini boss with the laser Mm -hmm. thing, and I'm like, bro. And you and I fought him, and he was hard, and I figured it out, and I did it. I'm like, oh, great, we're done. And then you walk two feet away, and there's another one. He's the same. I'm like, I'm sorry. Not only is this obscenely difficult <laughs> it feels a little cheap i mean it's the same guy like it's the same guy he just, just we just did this anyway so that's my drama with metroid dread but you know i have the little special edition again i love metroid but yeah geez anyway um i don't even know this, if I this one a, hits oh, so, different yes well yes okay so back to your point of like uh, the way i kind of clock it you know as someone that definitely isn't like a Metroid, a Metroidvania enthusiast, but has has played ones and enjoyed them quite a bit. Um, is I think it's great for people that don't like Metroidvanias, or maybe just kind of burned out on Metroidvanias. For me, I feel a little on the burned outside, where like it's definitely a more familiar and at home genre to me than like a roguelite is. But at the same time, like man, I hope I don't hit that point, that like that hard friction point, because I, I do think it's always hard to like break beyond it. And it's great that Prince of Persia: Lost Crown integrates several different tools from the shards from the the guided mode which admittedly i'm like could be more guided like the little marker is cool <laughs> but like if you haven't unlocked that part of the map they're mm-hmm. like they're like you have to head north and then the the guided because I, I toggled on guided just to see what it was like yeah and then it's like a marker that's north and i'm like i kind of i already knew, you already told me oh that, I, so. I figured that was, i figured it was going to be more uh intrusive than that yeah, where like it's I like wanted, hey we got yes. big old arrows that are like yeah. come up here buddy i'm like i want like the dead space line if you're gonna go guided mode you know <laughs> let me hit guided mode and like you know it's a I freaking gotta, laser that like well the game already has out. like when you get to checkpoints which are these with like walk walk trees i think yeah. is what they're called in the game um when you're near one you get sort of like some wavy leaves wind, yeah. and like the shimmering that leads you in the direction yeah. of like especially if you're 
like almost dying and don't want to go back to a checkpoint. It's like, hey, don't worry. Just like head up here and you'll yeah. be good. I, I guess my assumption was because the game made it a choice. I was like, yes. oh, wow. They, it must be like remarkably different between these two experiences. And it must have that throughout the entire game of like, See, that's, that's the path. That's what I the next- thought too. And I'm like, uh, you know, and again, I think it's an incredible game that pretty much everyone should play. I just think it it, yeah. it hits so hard. Like, holy cow. That being said, you know, like any other game, it's not perfect. And that is a uh, that is a gripe I have where I, I expected more from the guided mode because of it having that duality aspect to it. But in their defense, like I think the gap between exploration and guided mode in a game like Horizon is probably about the same. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, you know, and they do have an, another help system, too, is um, there's a character who like you know, appears in different parts of like the, the world and they can tell you a map, but they can also give you like an in-game hint. Um, the hint, it's mixed bag on that. Cause I used it one time. <laughs> I, one time I did get stuck. I only got stuck once and the TLDRs, I just like messed up like, Oh, I never opened that one like doorway. And I, and, but then yeah. the, the fog was gone. So I forgot that I didn't, you know, and that's where I, that's the one spot I got stuck in, in the full build. I had the advantage too of like, I've played like six hours of this game total. Like I know how to do the first four hours, you know, but I got stuck there and like the hint didn't really help me because it was just kind of like, you got to go north. And I'm like, again, with this north thing, like, I know you already told me. But there was another time where like there are aspects of it, like in any classic Metroidvania where it's like, you know, figure out how to get like high up east. And like, you know, the hint might be like, you got to go through the forest, which you can kind of get, you know, based on where it is. Sure. You can talk that. But, you know, in their defense, it could be like two different areas. And it does. And I think it helps a little with that. But I would say I was hoping the hint would be a little more like chicory Link's Awakening level. Like this is the answer. E. But I, I mean, <laughs> here is a do. glowing dot. Yeah, Go like maybe here. Tough to do though, where it's like in a in a game where so many different pathways might be open. Anyway, it's a small gripe, but that's like probably my only one next to. I wish there was more fast travel. You can only do it through the points. Yeah, of the, I. Like, let me go to each tree. It's like, a big just, map. Let's just open it up even more, you know? I'm a little disappointed to discover that... Okay, so I've been holding on hope that that's where the game was going to go eventually. Like, the way it works now is... If it does, it's after 70% completion. Yeah, it seems like that's unlikely. Um, With with the way it works now is the fast travel... There are fast travel points. Mm -hmm. And, again, like, as we said, it's a big map. Um, You can get through the map pretty quickly. Like, your character... He's booking it like 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 we're we're moving, but you know you could still spend five minutes getting to a spot, and that makes sense to me for a good portion of the game. And then usually how these games work is like over time we're gonna create new tools that are efficiencies so that because the funnel becomes smaller, like as more of the map has been seen, you're only you're interested in less of it because you're checking off the parts you haven't been to. And so usually the way these games work is to not let you get around very fast and then eventually let you get around very fast so that you can do that checklist part of yeah, the game, up. which is, yeah, all the cleanup, which is very intrinsic to to these uh, styles of games. So my thought originally had been like, oh, I bet they're going to have these kind of area, big generic area-specific fast travel points. And then eventually I'm going to unlock a feature that lets me go between the trees, which would really let you sort of take care of business yeah, and for, for people there's a lot of the trees like a lot of checkpoints like a lot of save points but there's not as many of the like they're kind of like these big statues for the fast travel yeah. there's like and i don't have the map in front of me unfortunately to reference it but there's something like just to make it up maybe within a biome there's like two fast travel points but there's like i don't know 
four to eight checkpoints in that same biome. And it's like, what if we just could go wherever? Ever. Ah. But, you know, in general, like, I I would love if games were, like, a little less, like, stingy with fast travel. Because even, like, in, like, like the latest Horizon where it's like, oh, you need, you can only go, like, point to point or whatever, or you need to use the packs and there's no golden one anymore. I'm like, what happened to the golden fast travel pack? Why did you take that out? <laughs> Make it really expensive. I don't care. Make me grind away for it. I I would do it. I would do. Is it money? I'll give you money. Like I don't know. You know what I mean. So again, these are. And then I think my only other. Like, I'm like, oh, I only have one gripe, except I have like four. But my only other one is I do think some of the bosses. And hey, I'm willing to say, maybe I just don't got it like that. You know, I'm crying at Metroid Dread, and maybe you're like, I beat it on my third try. It was harder than usual for me. I also I hate when people. Who are like good, really, really, really good at games, don't acknowledge how good they are, where they're like, oh yeah, it was hard for me. I died like four times. I'm like, that's that's Tuesday. What do you mean that's hard for you? I'm oh all I do is die in these games. What are you talking about? There what is a um about? there there is a soulsy, I don't want to overstate it. Um okay. God, <laughs> yeah, exactly. the damn. okay, I'm a fight damn God hands me. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um uh there is a I, yeah, I don't want to overstate it because I feel like this is is, yeah, I don't is scare used too away. commonly. It's like a dual yeah, game, but the, the, yeah, it, it, like the the boss fights are not souls like, but they are challenging yeah. and frequent. Mm-hmm. Um, like and and I actually would say the combat in general is pr- like there are basic enemies that yeah. are are not pushovers. I like the combat here uh is more intense and asks more of the player than. Yeah. A lot of these games usually do. And so your mileage might vary then on uh, how how you uh, react to this. But I think for it may actually be the case that for many people, that's that's a positive because a lot of Metroid style games de-emphasize the combat or it's yeah. not a central focus. Like it's something, you know, how often do you play a Metroid uh, game? And it's like, well, time to go through this room again. And you're just dodging through all of the enemies because the combat in most Metroid games it's fine. I think Dread like made a real focus on making minute to minute combat more interesting and than they a got lot of other Metroid away. games. I was like, you took it too far. I was having fun. And then you, <laughs> and then you kept going. You're like, and now we'll really take all your learnings. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm like a C student though. Like, you know, not everyone's like an A student in the class, right? And they're oh, like, man. wow, I did not know how deep this uh, this trauma went. I with, did it with though. Dread. I did do but, uh, it. <laughs> I did I'm do happy it. F- I don't know if I'm happy for you. Maybe you should just put the game down. You know, you'd, but no, because like I made it so far. Like I, I worked so hard and I liked the game. And it's like, you know, it could do the it's like I'm too old to make someone do it for me. I got to do it myself. And then Patrick, the stress I felt of like when I, I'm like, you got to tell me I need to know. Does it save after that? Because I know I got to run out. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I can't. And, oh, oh, and the escape gonna, sequence. Yes. And yes. Then I'm like, look. If there's a chance that this can, I'm like, I will YouTube the escape sequence now, and I will, I will, I will walk through that escape sequence. I am not risking anything. I went through it. I went through it a lot, but it was fun. It's a good game, but it's very hard, and it's yes. and there's no give there. Why do you think Prince of Persia, it, on top of like the built-in give of having difficulty, like you know systems and sliders and things like that, like there's also the amulets where you can yeah. like definitely build like. I had like a like you can the fact that you can have like almost builds in this game, I think is very cool. And and genuinely, I did find myself like, at least from my personal experience, swapping out amulets where I'd have like, oh, when I explore, like I have this set up. And then when I'm going to fight, I'm like, OK, well, like now we're going to put on like a couple extra things to sort of, you know, take on bosses. But 
Yeah, there's just some that I'm like, I find I found some of the attacks to be a little like widespread. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I can't see it. I'm too close to the trees or whatever. And I do know that they, you know, noted as usual, like, well, maybe balance some of these out. So I don't know. I'm not sure what the, you know, maybe that's just me. But there's like two mm-hmm. where I'm like, this is more cheap than fun to me. But I don't know. Yeah. Well, and there is a lot of them, right? Like this game has uh, has a lot of bosses. It's it's not something where like, hey, you're fighting five. It's like, no, it seems like you're fighting more closer to fifty probably by the by the end of the game. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of there's like the, but I, but there I just mean they're, they're, they're more yes. frequent. They're, they're they are frequent. Like yes. they you're gonna you're gonna hit one, you know, every couple of hours yeah. at worst, um, uh, for sure. But yeah, the Lost Crown, great game. Jen and I both uh, really enjoyed it. I'm excited to play through the rest of it uh, over the next couple of weeks, uh, and I'm sure we'll revisit it. Kato, I have heard this game was built for Switch, and Ooh. so I heard it, it like runs it runs real good on Steam Deck. Yeah. So you know, uh, <laughs> that's that's the grunt of a man that has a Steam Deck now <laughs> and realizes the game might run real good on the couch. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, let's uh, answer a question or two before we get out of here. You can write into questions at remapradio.com with the title podcast, and occasionally we will pluck from your questions. This one I thought was really interesting. This comes in from Andrew. Hi, remappers. I've got a question suggestion for you all. Your talk on the Game of the Year podcast about alien isolation and how the back half drags had me thinking. I didn't experience this very common criticism of alien isolation. I came to the game quite late, 2020 maybe, and was aware of this criticism ahead of time. So I turned to mods. Specifically, a mod which removes the tether from the alien to Amanda. Turns out the way the game works is the alien has scripted encounters, but also a leash attached, preventing it from getting too far from you at any given time. That means alien encounters are frequent and tiresome. It also makes the game take way longer. By removing the tether, you encounter the alien far less, which makes those encounters more fraught and less rote. As a result, the game cruises by at a much nicer pace. So my question is, for those of you who have dipped into the modding before, dipped into modding before, is there a mod you have found which drastically increased your enjoyment of a game? Also, shout out to Motorsport Manager mod that handles your car setups in practice so you don't have to fiddle with those damn sliders for 15 minutes before a race. That's it just uses the feedback the rating of the driver. The best part of the game. What are you doing? <laughs> what? Well, Okada mods are for everyone and their unique preferences. So that's... Woo! Yeah, Kato we gotta draw the line somewhere. Not Andrew. Uh, your so phone one, was I think- wrong. <laughs> You're not allowed to enjoy the game that way. Wow, Gatekeeper Kato just... Out of nowhere. I'm saying I'm allowed to enjoy it with the things in there. I love that part of it. No one's taking it away from you, Kato. <laughs> the mod would. Step away, the mod step would away take from it away the mod. From step away from the mod. Uh, one, but if it's not I think for it's... me, why does it exist? <laughs> oh, fuck. Goddamn. Uh, one, it's a fascinating way to play Alien Isolation. It makes sense that the game functions that way. That was my experience playing it certainly hmm. was that wow this alien will not leave this alien <laughs> loves me it will not leave me the fuck alone um now there's probably a happy happier medium between the two of this which is whoops the alien took a left <laughs> it's like never gonna find me again to uh to the alien is always finding me but that is a <laughs> fat if i was ever to replay that game i think i would be inclined uh-huh. to play it with a mod like that because it seems to line up more with um how I would want it to play, um, which is which is fascinating. But have have either of you messed with mods at all? Uh, like, is that something that you've ever gotten 
deep into on on any game. It's not really been my experience. I'm I'm usually dipping out of a game just as mods might be spinning up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. I want to because I feel like it's a big like gap, like mm-hmm. in a gaming experience, and I have done mods. But also, it's like. I think um, I think the modding aspect is it takes away from the masochism of the hobby. I'm like, no, sorry, that's just not, <laughs> I guess the game just isn't good. Look, the and designers made these decisions for a reason, and I need yeah. to feel that reason deep. I was like, we should not go me. against against God's will, <laughs> you know. Um, not but you know, I think from the light. I think it's it is funny though to think of. Um, that said, like I think. It's interesting how alternate experiences though do exist on the, you know, the packed PS2 where it's like <laughs> it's not a mod, but it is changing how the game functions oh, to yeah. a degree. So I do think, you know, I, I'm definitely open to that. So I'm not like above modding. I think I just am not much into the PC scene. So it's like none of that has gotten to me. But at some point I want to do it just to kind of check it off my list. Uh, what about you, Kato? Yeah, I, I don't I don't really mess with a lot of them. The one or two times I have, it's usually f- to mod in more content rather than to change a base game. Like uh, back in my XCOM playing days, you know, they, they had um, the, the community uh, has this thing called like the Long War, which is a f- mod that got made for the first XCOM and then eventually also released for the second XCOM, where it's just like, what if your campaign could be even longer, right? Like what if you stretch out the stakes of like what your decisions are over more campaigns that you would normally get and like how does that change the way that you make decisions and it's actually really fun um but aside from maybe picking that up or every once in a while being like oh someone optimized a few glitches out with a mod i think there was like one uh some like visual glitch pack that i once installed for battletech once upon a time i've never been really deep in the into ones that make gameplay changes to the original game in that in the to like right because like the long warrior is like you this mod is basically an expansion but which is a different thing than this mod is changing the fundamental way that the base game will always play like if you're just changing right like the the thing and like i get that sometimes that could be for the better but i'm and like i don't know I, i think i come from it especially especially these days of just like you know being like having critical mind on when i'm playing games and like in, in interacting with them that i can see i can see like maybe a different path where like i'm just playing if you're just playing for fun yeah just make it better for you make it better for your experience of the game but i'm i'm always more i've always yeah kind of leaned more into figuring out and like kind of tussling with well, why was this design decision made so even if it annoys me i'm i'm gonna see it through or like maybe bounce off because it's just not for me the classic got to see it through <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's very like, relatable gotta try gotta try You're to like, see oh, man, it through that's at least awful. so like what'd you end up playing what do you mean uh, oh my god yeah, <laughs> I, like, I just, just kept going <laughs> what do you mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Were you by happy? the end, absolutely I still not. Didn't. No, it was like, miserable. By, yeah. no, it by sucks, the end, I still I didn't know why I couldn't sucks. fast travel between the trees. <laughs> but I just dealt with it because that's what they intended. Uh, yeah, I mean, the last time I probably really significantly spent time with mods was like my first stint with PCs, which is like when I was a, you know, like a teenager and had a 4666, you know, like earlier than a teenager, honestly, probably <laughs> middle school uh, era, like like Doom, Doom 2, Duke Nukem 3D. Um, 
We're out here downloading wads, getting total conversions. Nice, uh, nice. You know, like <laughs> I, like that was. I didn't have access to a ton of games, and oh, Janet just uh, po- posting this like very lovely photo with her, the special edition of Moira Dread. Wow. I'm assuming this is before you before you played the game. Wow. Um, <laughs> you're just happy holding it. I was so not excited. knowing. The therapy the, bills that awaited the, on the, the other side. Would be on Earth. I'm like, why are there three of them? I'm like, can we agree that they could have, even if, could it be somebody else? It was that guy with the little shield. You know what I'm talking about? That. Anyway, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy with the little shield. Yeah. yeah it's like, that guy it's like with the little shield. The greatest shield. fighter in the universe and like his two identical brothers. Yeah, like, and his know. twins. What is this? Well, so that's the um, thing about the fucking bird people. They were a whole race of them. And it's like, it's a, oh, no, fa- oh my gosh. It's a good ass game, but it is like, yeah. oh man, you want it a lot. Anyway, sorry, I don't mean to keep <laughs> oh, man. living in well, this. Gotta, gotta, we, get, we gotta get a new uh, remap 101 off the ground and then tell Janet that <laughs> we're doing Metro Dread. It's too it's too soon. We can't one on one on something that came I out. I grabbed all like those two years ago. And it wasn't we're enough. never gonna no, we're never gonna publish them. We're just gonna tell Janet <laughs> that we're playing Metroid Dread. Oh well, here's the thing too. They're that- punked. Well, I mean, we'll still pay you like eight hundred dollars, but like you had to play, you had to play Metroid Dread. <laughs> you you had oh man, you had me at eight hundred dollars though. I think <laughs> I gotta check how long it would take because that might not still be worth it. But what's crazy too is I did. The deepest dive on MinMax with that game too. So it was like there was. So you the really pressure. had to sit with it. I well, it's like because it's not even that I had to sit with it because I you know and I, I liked I liked the game, but it was like okay, mm-hmm, time to mm-hmm. it's like and now the final part, time to finish it, and I'm like I have to finish it for the content, <laughs> and I wanted to finish it anyway. Again, I wanted to be there, Nintendo. I, I, I wanted you. to be there. No one and, doubts you, and you really didn't want me there. You're like, people like you don't deserve to see the end unless they go on YouTube.com. And I'm like, no, I played so valiantly. I learned so much, please. Like, you got to learn the attack pattern. You haven't learned it yet. Try again. And I just kept going. I felt like, you know when Kill Bill, when she has to train? That was me in Metro Dread. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> just, it's me squared up in the mountains with Metro Dread. Um, <sighs> yeah. And then when they drop that, like, fake easy mode, how dare you? Like, you can tap the amiibo two times for one ounce of health. And I'm like, if you want Is that what that does? Yes! Like, it's like, okay, I'm a little, it's a little exaggerated. But genuinely, it's only via amiibo. I think it gives you a little bit more health. And there is a limit to how often you can use it. (laughs) Like, like, months after the game came out. And I'm like, this is like, this is like, oh, man, like, I wish he'd return my calls, and then he does, and he like 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 it just it just it's like the worst call you've had in your life, and you're like, you know what? It was better. It's like you know what? I wish I wish my dad would get back to me, and then you finally meet him, and you're like, I you should have just stayed silent. If this is what you were gonna pull up with, why did you do this? The deadbeat dad of Nintendo's accessibility. It's just like, jeez. Wow. Really uncork something here. Yeah. I, had, I had no, I had no, I had no idea, no clue. But I'm it was delighted. Still, I think to... in my top ten. Like, it's again, it's a great game, but it's like, bro, like it's too much. <laughs> Dial, it's too much. Dial it down. Oh. All right, yeah. last question comes in from Christopher. Hello, remappers. A few weeks ago, went to a showing at my local theater of 1973's The Long Goodbye, a film that was eviscerated by critics at the time. Since that time, the movie has experienced a reevaluation many times and is now considered one of the best Marlowe adaptations. 
While Rotten Tomatoes is not necessarily the best metric, it's hard to ignore the movie's current critic average of 98%. Even some critics that gave it a bad review when it came out have reevaluated it and said they were wrong in their initial assessment. So that leads me to my question. As critics, do you feel you've ever gotten it wrong with your review? Not just games, but other media. Keep up the great discussions. And as always, fuck capitalism. Go home. Um, this is fascinating because, you know, I don't really do... It's been a while since I've written like a proper review. We don't really do those at Remap with any regularity. We, we kind of stopped doing them with real regularity at at Waypoint. And part, that's part of why I stopped finishing as many games because I always felt like I needed to finish it to do a definitive review. And if I'm just doing impressions on a podcast, it's much easier to let things kind of slip um, and not finish them. But, you know, I always considered reviews to be a snapshot in time as opposed to chipping something into like stone. It's a, it is a, how I felt at the time, at the moment within the cultural and personal context of the moment that I played that game. And I reserve the right to feel like quite a bit different uh, later. Um, Mm -hmm. Nothing comes to mind. I can't think of anything that comes to mind where I was like, this game is great. And it turns out, I think this game sucks or that in this game is horrible. And it turns out, you know, over time, I mean, the closest is like a lot of people, like I, didn't I fundamentally didn't understand Souls games. Uh, you know, the first time mm. I played Dark Souls, nothing about it made sense to me. I thought the people that played it and loved it were like there was something wrong Lying with them. Like, you can yeah, say like, it. oh yeah, you you're having fun. Yeah, interesting. Like, like you've induced okay. a psychosis into yourself that like makes you think you're enjoying this, but I don't know. I don't see it. And now those are some of my favorite games of all time. The the genre clicked in into place for me. Uh you know, in, in Dark Souls was you know, a game that helped me unlock games like Spelunky in which essentially like uh, difficulty being used as a kind of a tool against the player was just not something I really understood. Um, and games like Spelunky and Dark Souls were ones that I bounced off of and then came came around as being some of my favorite games ever. So I think th- those are probably the ones that come to mind as something that I personally misunderstood or didn't vibe with upon like first encounter, but then later came to reassess them and find them to, you know, uh, both dark souls and Spelunky would probably be all time. Well, I'd probably swap it with bloodborne, but you know, essentially that style of game and then pick your favorite flavor of it, uh, would be on like all timers for, for me, if I was making a list. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, it's funny because, and you can say that this, you know, it's good and bad. It cuts both ways. But one of the reasons that I think, the odds of feeling significantly different from review score to like now, even whether it's, you know, a month, a year or whatever, the reason that's the odds are diminished that that would be like too significant is because a lot of times when you review a game, you are like such an expert on that style um, or that franchise that it's like, Oh, well you just really know what you're talking about. There's kind of not in a way the review space doesn't really in a sense, allow for being that wrong because then it's like, why are you even reviewing this? You don't know what you're talking about. And I think there's validity to that comment. But the drawback of that is that we don't get a lot of reviews that are from people that might not be experts in that usually. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't necessarily think if I, again, that's a funny example. Like, should I review Tekken just to be like, oh, see, you'd never expect it. It's like, no, nah, I mean, I just don't think I'd have anything interesting to say about it, right? There, but, but there's a spectrum between yes. like, like you know, uh, someone that's not... Uh, a genre yeah. or franchise expert coming in and giving an impression of something because you're speaking to different audiences. And yeah. so, 
you know, the the Final Fantasy, like my favorite franchise of all time, reviewing the new Final Fantasy, you know, rebirth, like is going to have a fundamentally different perspective than someone's like, well, I don't have an attachment to this franchise. Yeah. How does it feel as an action game? Like, yes. is that enough for me to want to play it? And those are two wildly different reactions to a game. And I think broadly speaking, and partially this comes from uh, outlets being scared to do anything else. Like mm, there yeah. is less to fear in assigning an like a quote unquote expert to a game and assessing it than there is in assigning someone who might be seen as like, well, you just don't understand yeah. how these, like, because the moment you do that, you're going to have trolls, bad faith uh, people, assholes coming out with their knives because you screwed up the Metacritic. Yeah. It just, I think it depends on how big the gap is. Cause I think in your example, I think it's total like, you know, just for my own, personal opinion like I think it's totally fine for like I love when like a newcomer comes into something like that but again that person would still be like in an action RPG person to some degree right it's like yeah. there's obviously a degree to which I'm like, not reviewing the trench warfare yes, game and that's what and I mean saying, like, like, this game's fucking boring like, like, like fighting yeah. would be my trench warfare Great, it's still not the gap is yeah. not as big because I've still like played a fight you know what I mean but correct I but play again, Command and Conquer, but that yes. doesn't mean that I should review a strategy game. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like, so there's there's interesting stuff there. And I think it's, you know, you get people obviously couching their reviews and things. For me, for written reviews, if the gap is probably really small. Like, I think about, like, I reviewed Tell Me Why for IGN, and I gave it a seven. And I'm like, maybe it was a six. But it's like, who cares? You know, it's like, it's one point. It's like, uh, that's not that relevant. But, um, yeah, it's, like, really small stuff. But I think, to your example, Patrick, for, like, bigger shifts... Um, the further I get away from Outer Wilds, the more I appreciate that game. Like, I didn't really mm -hmm. like it when I played it. I didn't hate it, but I was like, I don't know. It's something I'm doing. Like, I did it for my stream, and I liked it enough to want to continue and see it through. But I'm like, ah, you know, I had a hard time with it. I'm kind of like, I'm not really sure. And, like, people are like, oh, like, and then you do this. And I'm like, I don't know. It's not resonating with me in the way that it is for, like, the diehards. And while it still hasn't and never fully will, like, the fur I love how, like, the further I've gotten away from it, the more I'm like, you know who did exploration really, really smartly? <laughs> Outer Wilds. Oh, wow. You know who did let me deduce? Outer Wilds. And it's like, it's so fun. And it, again, it doesn't actually really change how I feel about the game, but I've formed like a, like a deeper understanding, which I think is fun. And same has happened to me with Final Fantasy VII Remake, a game where I still stand by like great combat story that doesn't make any sense unless you've played the old one. Um, and story that isn't that good unless you play the old one. But <laughs> I really like the combat the further I get away from it because the mm -hmm. more I play like action oriented games like such as like of the RPGs like side of things I'm like or even the other major Final Fantasy game that's come out in the last 12 months yeah. like Final <laughs> Fantasy 7 is a much better I enjoyed the combat a lot more in that game than yeah. I did in 16 and like it's it's fun building that where I'm like if only this had like Final Fantasy 7's combat you know it's like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah like it's it's cool to develop that so it's like I think the closest to at least to give like a, a parallel to your example of like how you've changed on Souls games like that that's I think the fun part of this job like one of the reasons I like doing it is I, I like the growth the analysis the discovery the the building that repertoire to be bigger because I think we all start in games having that you know, we all have our trench warfare game, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's more mainstream, maybe it's platformers or something, but like we all have things we we know really well and then we go further outside the circle. It's not like we don't know it. Like I know RPGs, I know act, whatever. But I, the thing I know really well is, you know, that home base is like the three platforms. Because I've been playing those since I was five, you know? It's like, okay, yeah, yeah I jump a there's lot. A, there's a reason half the time when Kato's about to talk about 
a game that they've played. We're like, say the line. <laughs> and it's like, turn <laughs> base. Or what, what is it? Like, uh, turn, <laughs> like, not dog, like, card base roguelike. You're muted, deck Kato. builder. <laughs> Kato, you're muted. I'm, oh, I'm muted. I'm not muted on my track. I just muted in the Discord call. So Oh, okay. Well, the, you can fix that then. <laughs> they called me. They they they, they heard it. I the uh roguelike deck builder. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Also, it's so sad how like I mean, this is such a boomer comment, but like people don't know the Simpsons, you know. People are like that where it's like and, How and old I'm not actually are you? Supposed to, and that's the thing. I'm not supposed to know The Simpsons. I'm 30. Um, but I happen to know. But people my age don't actually really know Simpsons. And then yeah. so anyone younger than me definitely doesn't know Simpsons. No. And it's just like. Simpsons is due for its. Um, I feel like it's coming. But the like the same way that like younger generations have found like Friends and Seinfeld and the off like where like the sheer breadth of content. Um, which just doesn't exist for a lot of like modern streaming shows. But then, like, it, I think it's going to get rediscovered at some point. I think Simpsons will have that moment. Um, because I don't Simpsons think that comedy has become there's gonna be a boom yeah. in games. Well, it's never gone away. So there's many. still new Simpsons oh seasons God. as opposed to these <laughs> other shows. But I, I do think that show will have like, I think so much of that comedy is timeless as opposed to pop culture. And know. I, I, I think, I, th- I think it'll get rediscovered. This by is like, this is like the opposite of our conversation earlier about. What was it like the like the references that people like? Well, people know the like "I am your father" for like their end of time. Yeah. This is like yeah. on one end there's "I am your father," on the other end there's like "Hi everybody." Like it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> know, neighbor, you know? like what? I don't know. I don't think my kids are gonna know who Doctor Nick is, and I think I have to accept that <laughs> now. Hmm. I'll start working on that. Right? Uh, you know, I've got I got kids in the house, and uh, I'll I'll start doing you know. We do. They uh, they call it when kids are learning to reading uh, sight words, where it's like yeah. words you don't have to think about, and you just see. Uh, well, I don't have to tell you. Just you memes. <laughs> the um, word, the memes and, uh, no, but it's gonna be Simpsons. Simpsons characters. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, who's this one? <laughs> Come on, Jessica. Um, all right. Well, that's gonna take us to the end of this episode of the podcast. Um, I will say I can take this full circle. That uh, I got an update from Rob while we were recording, uh, and I quote. Imaging clean, really good bill of health. So, yay, yay Nina, yay, Rob and MK's blood pressure <laughs> and stress as they continue to go through that process uh, with with Mina. So, good to hear that. And uh, hopefully, when you listen to this, that'll mean that Rob is joining us for the people demanded it. Get back onto those moons. Go find <laughs> those resources. Uh, Lethal Company, uh, the game that remap. Is very good at playing. Oh yeah, we're um, <laughs> uh, long runs, collecting so much stuff, and just being like, "Let's see what's in the sand." Um, people are always asking, <laughs> "What's in that? What's sand? in the sand?" <laughs> what does and that maybe sign that's mostly mean? just me <laughs> holding a shovel. Uh, but yes, uh, you'll be able to join the the three of us, uh, hopefully plus Rob. Uh, what else happened this week? I had an interview with RPG sites Alex Donaldson, where we talked about the evolution of. The business of running a website being tied to the kind of Google algorithm, the rise of AI and what that might mean for game guides and and things of that nature. Uh, we had we uh, Kato and I continued our let's play of Lunacid, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. That game is great. <laughs> so I am that will certainly. I know that game came out last year, but that game is going to be on my <laughs> game of the year list. I won't have to be reminded because uh, it has been yeah. a tremendous amount of fun playing that. 
with Kato. Uh, so we're about, I think we're like halfway through the game. That feels oh, like roughly okay. where we're, where we're cool. at, um, at at the moment. Um, and then next week, what? We'll, uh, I think uh, Rob and I are going to talk about sports. The NFL uh, right. playoffs yes. will be uh, in the midst. We have an HOA already banked, but we just kind of kicked it back a week. <laughs> so that'll that'll come a week later. Um we, uh, I can at least tease in advance that, you know, we are going to be bringing back our, our movie and TV podcast uh, with a slightly tweaked format. Um, and I guess I'll just say maybe in the next couple of weeks, like, go see a recent Godzilla film. Um, and maybe you'll be uh, tuned up for the discussion we're going to have uh, to bring that go podcast Go see Godzilla back. versus Kong, right? That's the one that... How much more time do you still have to do this? So the Matthew Broderick uh, Godzilla, the Roland Emmerich (laughs) Godzilla from the 90s is what we'll be returning to. Um, uh, The very famous meditation on the nuclear bomb. Uh, I remember that movie. Uh, You know, speaking of a movie that's gotten better with time, that movie, that movie's not that bad. It's pretty fun. Uh, Anyway... That's going to do it for Remap Radio. You can support everything that we do by going to remapradio.com. We only exist. We're only here because of your support. Uh, We've appreciated everyone supporting us since we launched last summer. And we're heading in. We're more than halfway through to going to our first year. And that's really exciting. And uh, we'll only get there with your support. Um, Our thanks for... Oh, I don't have this written down. Because the last time I hosted, we didn't have this. What is Tumelo's track? Kato, what, what did we end? Is it, There's no uh, name for it. It's just, it's this. the I Remap we've done Radio this theme song. Like, we talked about this. I never get tired this. of this. Remap yeah. Radio <laughs> theme song uh, <laughs> over at tumelo.net. Our theme song is by, this is how you say it on a podcast. Our theme song is by Tumelo. You can find more of his work at tumelomakes.bankcap.com. Tumelo.net. Go there. That's the better one. There you go. Uh, We'll be back next week with more Remap Radio. Till then, fuck capitalism, go home. (laughs) 